Welcome everyone. The answer to the life, the universe, and everything. This is SNGP42. I'm David Rad, former writer of Games Industry Viz, Industry Gamers, and Gamer Feed. With me, somebody too young to get the reference I just made. My editor, uh, contributor, and partner in potting. It's Tuesday. Oh, uh, David, I'm actually so happy. I did get that reference. I actually had to read that book in college, so I know exactly what you're referencing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they're 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 reading uh, Douglas Adams in college for for classes. Technically, that's amazing. No, but um, what what I did what I did is that we had to like do do a whole like project on essentially like six book reports, <laughs> basically about a book. <laughs> And um, I had just gotten Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I like spoke to my professor. I was like, "Hey, can I do it about this book?" And she was like, "If you if you can come up with a thesis statement about Hitchhiker's Guide to the <laughs> Galaxy, you can do a project on Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy." And I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. Yes. It it is the Hitchhiker's Guide for the uh, to the Galaxy for uh, where forty two is uh, the answer the answer to the uh, like the life the universe and and everything but the big thing of the book was like finding out what the question was uh, to give the full context of that but anyways we will not be otherwise talking about uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We will be talking about in our topic uh, finishing up about Disco Elysium. But before we do any of that, I'm going to do a little housekeeping. Now, there was recently an Amazon sale, which I think was in response to GameStop. I think they do it whenever GameStop is offering a buy two, get one free sale, <clears throat> which honestly doesn't happen that much anymore, but they were. So Amazon was offering it too. And I noted, like, there were three games I wanted that were part of this offering, but, like, they weren't showing up together. And it actually escalated to the point I wanted to make sure it wasn't some sort of computer error. I tried their online help system for Amazon, and then I actually called a person and talked to somebody. And uh, when I explained my situation, like, they gave a kind of a and they fully understood they gave kind of a long explanation about like basically not every game is on is on the that's on amazon is going to be part of this deal and i, w I was just I, I was polite and I, I let them finish and I, w I was like you know no you don't understand like they're part of the deal but they're not showing up together and he was like oh like well if it, like are they being added together it was just like okay like then that's not part of the deal i was like okay so what we're dealing with here is probably all these games that are like in separate lists is probably in like a separate warehouse or something. Uh, and that's what makes it, I guess, economically feasible to like ship them all together or whatever. But I was just like, okay, sure, whatever. Like it's some sort of logistical thing that's above your pay grade or whatever. I didn't say that to him, but like that's what I thought. Uh, and so like we had that. I was just like, okay, fine. Like these are the terms of it, but it's just really weird in terms of like Amazon to think of things in terms of, Hey, like there's this on this certain warehouse and this on this certain warehouse, like Amazon kind of teaches us not to think in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, like it's just, we're buying it all from the, the uh, omnipresent store, Amazon. Uh, but that is in fact uh, how, how it worked. It's just, it was just interesting. Like uh, I assume it was it was all on purpose. Uh, things work, working as intended, but 
it is what it is. Now, uh, recently, I've made some notes about uh, GSC Game World, which is the Ukrainian developers of Stalker series, uh, and running to the RA uh, Novosky News Agency the website. It has now been blocked by the Prosecutor General's Office of the Russian Federation. And part of this is because it has been posting things about the war. And, I mean, according to Russia, like, there isn't even a war happening mm -hmm. uh, in Ukraine, uh, along with other positive things about the Ukrainian forces. So, like, that obviously can't be. And that's definitely the weird, honestly, reality of this that I didn't think I would see outside of fiction. It's just like is the is the war on like reality that is that is emanating from the Russian Federation, and they have a large media presence, like a like it's a kind of absurdly large one, and I mean I feel like that's an important thing. Like you know again as journalists like to be able to shine a light on like what is actually the truth uh, and what is actually happening to things, and I think that is important, and that's a another reason why like for our free societies that uh, Ukraine ultimately proves prove uh, victorious because it is a it would be a victory against that as well against uh, tyranny autocracy uh, frankly genocide and and also uh, and also the truth for all of us uh, and it's important to to realize that that like just because something is said it is not necessarily true said or written down. Russia has this kind of like weird history and, and particularly during the Soviet Union, um, they, they just like decide, okay, well now we can control the facts. And, um, that's figuratively, that is the, uh, inspiration for 1984, um, wherein, and, and you can see it in some of the pictures of Joseph Stalin with like a group of, um, his fellow like politicians that uh, as soon as they speak out, they are just excised from pictures of him to the point that it's just like more of a painting of um, Joseph Stalin, like kind of hanging out next to next to a bridge. Whereas before it was a picture of him and five other guys like and it's it's frustrating and concerning to see it happening again, like in, in this this idea of there's no war. It's just silly. That's there. We can't be at war. Uh, that's. It's frustrating, but it doesn't surprise me. You know, Russia has done this before, and because, you know, because they, they the leaders have no desire to, like, give up the power, it'll probably happen again. Yeah, there certainly might be some retrenchment here, even if they prove uh, unsuccessful. We will all have to see, but I feel like one of the most notable incidents in, like, any dissent has been... Uh, crushed within the Russian Federation right now, but like uh, probably one of the more notable moments was like a protester who was simply holding up a blank sign, a blank piece of poster board, and they were taken away by the police. Like I was like, if I don't, if there is a better metaphor for like internal communication within Russia right now. I don't, I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't don't have <laughs> any opinion of anything at all, and you still might be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, like the. Well, also, it's just like, oh, the, this war that doesn't exist, like, you know, I'm sending a statement, like, I'm not even, like, you can't even tell what I'm protesting, but, like, you you, pro you, pro you probably think it. You're, I'm a thought criminal, so, mm -hmm. so there you go. But, 
Moving on to happier things in what's been lighting up our system. Tuesday, what has been lighting up your system these past couple weeks? Yeah, I have a game that I didn't like and a game that I did like. Which would you like to hear first? Uh, let's go with the game you didn't like. Didn't like? All right. So uh, I played this little game called Maneater, uh, which, which sounds very fun. You play as a shark. Uh, and, and you get to eat stuff, right? It sounds pretty cool. Uh, unfortunately, mm -hmm. it's marred by, like, real poor controls. And, and, uh, not a, not, some not great systems. The, the setup to the game is that, and it's actually pretty cool, in the first mission, you play as a, like, fully evolved, or, not fully evolved, fully grown, great white shark. Um, I believe it's actually a bull shark. I, I want to correct myself. It is a bull shark. You um, traditionally, like, you know, swim around a, a what looks to be like a abandoned sewer tunnel kind of system. There are a bunch of, like, turtles and barracudas and fish that you just kind of charge and eat. Uh, it feels good to just eat, eat the smaller fish and, and go about your way. Uh, you also have a tail whip that you can use to, like, stun enemies. Uh, what you can do is you can, like, bite into an enemy then like use the tail whip to kind of slow down time and use an enemy to stun another enemy. It's kind of funny. Uh, and then uh, as you go, you escape the sewer system and you attack a beach because every shark story needs to have some jaws in it uh, for it to be entertaining. Uh, and then you are hunted down by a bounty hunter that then just strings you up and kills you and finds out that the bull shark that you were playing as was pregnant uh, the bounty hunter takes a knife to the dorsal fin and then tosses the shark in there, uh, but the little baby shark bites off um, the bounty hunter's hand and uh, is, gets, gets a taste for human flesh. So, <laughs> it's a silly story about shark revenge. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's it's a silly game it feels like you know it it feels like the developers didn't want it to be taken too seriously um the intro to the game is kind of like one of those uh like shark hunting stories that you see on shark week uh like one of those documentaries it's it's comedic it, it's funny but then you play as the baby shark and it just immediately goes terrible uh, <laughs> like, the, the problem with the baby shark is that you have to, like, evolve into, or, like, grow, again, into the mother bull shark, kind of, that you were playing as before. So, it's one of those things where all of your abilities are stripped from you, and you just have the bite. And the problem is, is that your bite does so little damage, and it's, it's just, it becomes this weird kind of mechanic where you have to, like, bite onto an enemy... Then you just have to keep pressing the attack button, which is on the trigger, um, until until you see the enemy die. And it does sound like it would be a regular old character action game kind of situation, where you know you're just kind of hitting the buttons to make the enemies die. But it's just not satisfying because like it, a lot of the enemies that you fight are are like it makes sense. They're based on size. That like smaller things you can just eat right away. Bigger things you gotta like do some work on. But the the scale between small enough to eat and big enough that you have to fight is so minute that you can be going after a muskie that like two seconds ago you were able to eat a muskie and then you find a muskie that's bigger than you and just drains your health instantly. 
and it's annoying. <laughs> like there, hmm. the thing is, is that it's not made to be like a Souls-like game, where it's it's not made to be difficult that you continuously lose your progress to go back and gain it. It's made to just be like sort of a action game that that you just eat enemies, you gain their nutrients, and then you can evolve from there. But in in the first world that you're thrown in, um, you you can come up against a couple alligators that will just always kill you. Like they they are two three hits of damage that you can take, and then you're dead. And and you're just the thing is is that like you can like essentially grind in in the game like just eat a bunch of smaller enemies, and that's what you're supposed to do. But it's not a satisfying gameplay loop. Like, it's not satisfying to just have to, like, go around, eat a bunch of fish, because a lot of the fish that you're eating don't give you enough nutrients to, like, see any significant progress. Like, if you are eating non, like, essentially bounty targets, like, that, that are in the waters, you're not going to be getting, like, any nutrients. Like, if you go up against what, what you're hunting, they'll drop, like, meatballs, essentially, that you can eat that will give you more nutrients... But it's but you have to like keep doing it to get to level up and and once you level up yeah you get more powers but you're still very weak like the the increase between a level is so minute that it's like does it even matter and so it's just grinding the game as a shark so how are the controls as a shark that's that's they're not good <laughs> they're it's it's weird because like. What what would be good, and, and I've said that I'm not I'm not great at flight sims. I haven't played a whole lot of flight sims. I don't know how they work a lot of times. I, I commented on that when I played Lego Lego Star Wars, is that I, I wasn't great at those controls, but I was learning them. The shark doesn't play like that. Like, it, it would make sense to be a flight sim because, you know, like water and flying, you know, you, you can you can kind of draw the parallels there. But um, the thing is, is that, like, the shark, you move with the left analog stick, which makes sense, and you can speed up, but it feels vague. Like, the, the turning doesn't feel great. Um, like, it, it's kind of hard to do. It's kind of hard to just turn over a bank. So a lot of times I found myself running into just the sand on, and underwater because I, I couldn't turn fast enough. Um, there is a button that lets you, like, essentially surface for a short amount of time. Uh, well, not a short amount of time. You can jump in the air and survive in, and survive in the air um, for a little bit of time. If you land on, like, a boat or a island, you kind of got to get back to water. But, um, but you can, like, surface and, like, have your fins sticking up. But it's done with a button. It's not, like, you aim towards the surface of the water and swim there, you have to press a button to, like, surface. And, and you have to be close enough to the surface to actually do that. It's weird. It doesn't feel intuitive. Um, another thing is that, like, with the, with the bite, you can supposedly, and I say supposedly on purpose, you can supposedly thrash uh, things that are in your mouth by, like, flicking the right stick but every time that I try to do it, like, I don't know why. Just, I, I either let go or I don't thrash right or something, and then the camera is just flicking around left and right, and it's like, well, why did I even try to do that? Um, there's also the worst de definition of a lock-on system I've ever seen in my life, in that uh, you can 
you can essentially lock on to an enemy, but the camera doesn't follow it, it the fish can swim out of the way, and it will just be like a mark on your screen that'll just show you where the enemy is, that it's like a red like arrow that points to its general direction. It's like, no, if I wanted, I, I locked on because I want to be able to like dodge and evade enemies that, that I can see when they're coming from. There is a dodge button that like it says whenever an enemy is flashing, press the dodge to dodge them and you'll just kind of like do a little barrel roll kind of thing. I have been able to successfully dodge once. Uh, so that's pretty annoying because it, you don't get control over which direction you dodge in. So sometimes if an alligator is coming at you and they're coming like left to right, sometimes you'll just end up dodging into the right and into their bite zone. It's like, well, this sucks. Why did I even do that? <laughs> so you wouldn't say that this game is Dolphin May Cry. No, it is not Dolphin May Cry. It's uh, it's Tuesday Did Cry because they did not have a fun time playing <laughs> Man Eater. I really wanted to like Man Eater. It's a silly, it's a silly game. I want to play as a shark. I want to do a lot of destruction. It's just, it's it's locked into the late game, which like if. That's, that's the thing, that, like, with movies, it's like, okay, the ending is really good. Like, I don't care. If I have to sit through a bunch of boring stuff, I'm not going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday's like, it expelled all my patience, so I'm not even going to get to the good part. So mm, uh, and, and, and I have a lot of patience. Like, I we talk about how I like notoriously bad games on accident sometimes. This one is supposed to be apparently good. It doesn't play good. Like, is it just... I I don't know. It's it, I, I want to say that it's not just, like, maybe the early game has, like, some weird bad difficulty curve that, that gets better over time. But, like, again, if you have to, like, eat every single thing for such minute increases in stats, that's pretty bad game design. It reminds me of the game Evo, which came out on the Super NES, which was about, in fact, eating things and like slowly evolving as a creature over time. Uh, the, uh, that, that was an RPG as well. But of course, like in that case, you went from a fish to, I think, in, a human in mm. the uh, in the final form. Like very, very interesting game. Like, but anyways, like. Kind of similar in design, but like it, uh, I mean, it is tough, like when you're talking about swimming controls and locking on in combat and that. Since, like, I mean, I, like, isn't the joke in like a lot of uh, character action games the, the worst part is when you have to swim? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's funny because there is a swimming section in Devil May Cry 1, it's not good. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up, like, that I think that swimming section is everybody's least favorite part of the first Devil May Cry. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and it probably earns it, honestly. But Yeah, this, like, that's that's the hard thing about developing a game about sharks, is that you're going to have to make underwater combat, combat interesting. Maneater did not. Yeah, or specifically, like, swimming up to things and biting them, like, that's a difficult thing to do uh, mm -hmm. I had a little more fun this week when I played some more loop hero and actually got to the end hey there you go and yeah 
And Loop Hero, it's a game, like, honestly, I have a mixed experience with. Like, it's mostly positive, but, like, there were still times when I felt like my progress was getting arrested. I wasn't quite sure what I should do. And I think part of that is just, like, if you're, if it doesn't feel like you're making progress, like, it's just build out your little village component. Uh, and when you're doing that, like, you're also getting equipment eventually. Like, you're, like, it's, I say equipment, it's like jewelry, it's like furniture, it's like food, and all of these convey, like, certain small bonuses to you. Like, if you get a, alchemy cabinet like you can carry an extra potion which you uh your character will automatically take and hit and heal you that's obviously pretty good like i think a piece of cheese you'll get one hp whenever you defeat an enemy also pretty good i also think there was an issue that like i was looking up some strategies i think one was based on an earlier version of the game and i think they added certain mechan mechanics and balancing over time for instance like you do have a stamina meter or at least like your your guy does in the field but like the game never tells you about the stamina and i honestly didn't notice it until i looked it up and i realized i was basically like in a way why am i getting tired uh occasionally like and it was you know it would happen very quickly if i had a very a, a high attack rate it's just like oh like you're you lose stamina every time you attack and uh, and then I looked at it, and be below your health bar, there is a very small bar that is regenerating that is for your stamina. I was like, oh, okay. So, like, that basically means that, like, the best bonus you want to have for your stamina is, or, like, for your attack speed is, like, plus 100%. Uh, over that, and you're probably going to be depleting your stamina too quickly. Because, like, once you deplete it all the way, you attack very, very slow until it replenishes, and you have a significant debuff uh, to dodging for a little bit. So you don't want to be losing all of your stamina all the time. So it's a balance there. Also, it was it was not suggesting anything other than, like, the tactic to put down, like, a village, which is someplace where you can normally heal, and then vampire mansions, which when you put that adjacent, like, you have to defeat a bunch of zombies and, uh, and the vampire, and, like, eventually it turns into vampire lands or the Count's lands, and those heal you more and you get better items from them and so on and so forth, but, like, it just wasn't generating enough things. Like, you want your guy to be fighting things along the loop, because otherwise they're not getting newer and better stuff, or at least not, not as much of it. Uh, another thing is, like, among the three classes which I delineated, like Necromancer, Fighter, and Rogue, Rogue is definitely the best. Uh, eventually, like, they get, each get slightly different bonuses if from, like, the, like, the, the Rogue uh, can do the most damage, and it inherently has, like, a built-in 5% vampirism for anything. And I just found that... And that, and, like... The thing that turned out to be key is, like, is they also get really good evasion equipment. And, like, at the end of the wi the run that I beat the game with, I had an evasion of 67%. And that meant there was a 67% chance that I would dodge whatever was attacking me. Uh, and that's pretty good, obviously. Uh, particularly if I'm, like, doing damage and, like, passively regaming 
HP all, all along. So that actually turned into a phase roll. But like, anyways, like, so the suggestion for like, okay, this very linear sort of build, I was, I, I eventually, I was just like, you know, this, this doesn't seem to be doing very well at all. So like, instead I, I had a build that like, I got up to a hundred percent bonus at attack speed. Like that seemed to be about enough, like more or less. And then I put down deserts, which like that actually reduces everything's HP by 1%. Uh, including you, including the character, and you might say, why would you want to do that? And the answer is, you can build up your HP in other ways, but like it's very helpful to bring down the HP of your opponents. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, there are a couple Isaac items that will like just bring down enemy like, uh, bring down enemy health by just a certain percentage. Uh, Isaac doesn't have the same kind of thing where it brings down yours, but it's just generally helpful to like be able to do less damage to take something out. And if you, yeah, and if you have a desert next to a river, which is another critical late game thing that you can unlock in the city, like river tiles will double the effects of whatever they're next. But also, at the same time, like, if they are next to a desert, they turn into an oasis, and that reduces your attack speed by 0.5% and enemy attack speed by 1%. And that's another one of those, like, every little bit helps. Uh, on top of that, also having mountain and rock tiles, which just add HP to you, again, like, mitigating the effects of the desert. And... Again, like going back to like the rogue just being better. Like I also like there are certain passive bonuses they ha they have better. Like there's a bonus called uh, the uh, like a trait you get when you get experience called scar old scars. And whenever you get a trophy, and whenever you kill an enemy, you get a trophy. You got you get an HP, uh, and that can that can really add up over the course of a game. I didn't end up getting that until late, but like I also put down spider dens, which like those will produce a lot of spiders, which you, that you can fight quickly. And uh, I don't know, it just kind of snowballed to that point, and it, and like and I didn't feel like I did anything especially different from some other times. Like maybe got a couple extra good drops that allowed me to have that very high evasion rate. But like I was able to push through and beat the final boss. I won't say anything directly about the story, but I will just say that like. The story definitely feels like something they came up after they designed the game. Uh, like, there's no... I mean, I guess there is a slight mystery for, like, why everything is happening in the game. And it's just like... And it kind of addresses that in a way. But it's just like, okay, it's fine. Like, it, it is what it is. It is a perfectly fine framing device for what Loop Hero is. Um, but, you know, overall, my conclusion on it, like, it's certainly very unique... Uh, and I love the music for it. Like there are some great chip tunes. Like particularly for like the different boss musics. Like they are, ex those are extremely nice. Uh, the pixel art is also extremely high quality pixel art. Uh, I appreciate that. Particularly for like the portraits. Like the things that bring up portraits. It's just, uh, and that was actually the the dude that escaped to, from the Russian Federation to Georgia recently. Like he was a sprite artist. But like he did a excellent job was just like rendering the details on it and also something like i didn't appreciate until uh later that like uh the the hero's designed in such a way that like uh i don't believe a, there's no assigned gender to it and you look at them and like and they could either be a 
he or she, like depending on or or them or whatever, like depending on your your inclination. But like they're des- designed to be uh, ambiguous in that way, um, uh, but not in a way that was that was directly obvious. So uh, that was kind of only something I noticed over time, but. Uh, the classes are definitely not balanced well. Uh, the, necro- the necromancer is definitely the the heart the hardest to get around, and the rogue is definitely the the best. Like it was to the point where, like early on, I was kind of rotating between the three to try and tweak my tactics, but eventually, I was just like, rogue is the easiest. Like I'm just I'm just going to do that to to get through till the end of this game. Um, so uh, yeah, it's. It's that kind of weird conclusion that, like, it's just kind of about building up inevitability, like building up your town, getting extra stuff, getting certain small bonuses to the point where, like, actually just beating the game, like, tweaking it, like, becomes uh, inevitable. Uh, like, th- things favor you. And uh, and that made it, uh, honestly, again, like, a very interesting, unique experience. Is it a good experience? Like, well... And the answer is, like, honestly, sometimes, like, the game also doesn't highlight a lot of details. Uh, Like, it it figures that, like, I guess there's elements that you're either going to search for online uh, on the internet or, like, you're just going to discover them yourself. Uh, For instance, like, certain locations, uh, certain tiles you put down on the map will change depending upon, like, certain other tiles you put down next to them. But, like, the game does nothing to highlight that that's just like what the combinations are you're just going to have to discover for yourself Mm -hmm. i i find that a lot of roguelites and roguelites have a a pretty strong wiki community uh because that's the only way to to find out information about some of these things (laughs) yeah fortunately it's not quite as frustrating as like the combinations to to think or like at least it tells you what things do. Like I'm looking at you, Gungeon. Yep. Like <laughs> yep. And Isaac does that like, real bad too. Like I, that was so frustrating. Whenever I got a new weapon, I was just like, you know, well, like immediately to the wiki because it doesn't tell you what it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, like literally doesn't tell you. Like it. Like I should note, there isn't that flaw. Everything tells you what it what it does, except like there is one specific gold card. You get one gold card to start. Uh, you can pick from four to put them in your deck, so to speak. Uh, that that you, that you use, and like it's called like I think the Maze of Ith or something like that, and it says like it does nothing. And I, I actually like got that via a weird. Uh, like a, a weird car, like circumstances of the game ended up giving me that. I was just like, uh, I was like, you know, does nothing takes up a lot of space. So I was just like, okay, like so, and so what 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 does this do? And I put it down and like, and surely, surely enough, it blossomed out into a large, uh, like ma- uh, large ma- maze that was taking up a lot of space. But then immediately the boss popped. Uh, I was just like, oh. That's what this does. Like that that that, that brings out the, the the boss on the bonfire tile. Okay, okay, that's so. Like, I mean, that was just kind of a neat discovery right right there. But like, that's the that's one of very few things where like it doesn't directly tell you uh, exactly what what it does. So like, it's just kind of the combinations of things and like and depending on. 
your inclination for like discovering stuff or experimenting. I mean, I think if you like to experiment and do everything on your own, like and not be handheld, then Loop Hero is certainly a game for you. Uh, for me, I mean, I guess I like a little bit more signposting than the game provided, and like, and honestly, like just a little bit more feedback. But like, that's kind of also the thing in a, in a game where like all of your in- interactions to the hero are indirect. Like, like I said, I keep on coming back to interesting, unique stuff like that, and and that's what it is. Like, and I and I generally enjoy my time of it, but like. It was it was kind of a sine wave of like if like if I made definitive progress and found something like you know oh my gosh I got the alchemist and this le- allows uh, like all materials like I can break them down into hydrogen and, and make other things I was like just like great this this opens up so many possibilities because like there's resources that you generally have to get under very specific circumstances and now it's like okay great and like now I can just potentially turn it into this into this uh, liquid resource and uh, convert one thing to another like and that was certainly a huge revelation that and that felt great like just just like getting past all the bosses I, I like I felt like I reached the whole holy level but then like there were the lows of just like of just like I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong I don't know if I'm making proper progress I don't know if there's something I should know I just don't know so uh, so yeah that that was that was loop hero to me like definitely again like i gave an extensive demonstration uh uh demonstration an extensive description of it in the in the last podcast but simply put like if you're interested in this sort of auto playing uh roguelike game then definitely check it out like there is nothing quite like it uh, but I do feel like there are certain things that probably could be refined in a, in another game, frankly. That's fair. That's fair. But for you, dear Tuesday, what else has been lighting up your system this week? Yeah, it was uh, it was the game that I did like, uh, which legally I now have to retract a statement that I made. In that I said that I don't like Hades. I do like Hades. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I re-picked up Hades uh, just because one day of the week I was like, all right, I want to play something that, you know, doesn't require too much thought. And I was like, all right. I looked at Hades and I said, all right, I'll just give this a second chance. Uh, and and I started over uh, in a brand new save file. <sighs> and I guess it won. <laughs> Obviously, no Disco Elysium was played on that day. <laughs> no, the day no, you no, didn't no, want no. to think. Not at all. Uh, it's 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 the fun thing it, with with the way that my brain works is that you know I'll pick up a game that I played for like five minutes and I'll be like, yeah, this was pretty good, and then I'll look at the clock and it's been like seven hours. <laughs> uh, so Hades was one of those. Yeah, yeah. So I. It is a story-based roguelite, um, very action-heavy. Um, that it, it's interesting in that um, the two roguelites that I've played the most, Binding of Isaac, Enter the Gungeon, both have like some variety of length to them. In that uh, the Binding of Isaac, essentially, if if you're doing one of the longest routes, you can go down. I believe it's like. 
10 floors. Uh, 11 if you get lucky. Uh, enter the Gungeon at its longest. If you're doing everything in that, you can have 7 or 8 floors. Uh, Hades only has 4. It's very succinct in that manner. Um, so I was a little surprised at, at how, how quickly I was able to to uh, get through that, because generally speaking, I, I like a challenging roguelike, roguelite I, either way. Um, but I, I found that uh, it, it does have some challenge to it, but it's also pretty easy to maneuver. For the people that don't know, uh, you play as uh, Zagreus, a um, lesser-known uh, Grecian god um, who is just trying to escape Hades. Um, you are aided by other gods from Greek mythology uh, who give you different sorts of bonuses to your combat, uh, different kind of passive bonuses, and it is your job to uh, ascend the four floors and uh, escape to the... Uh, to essentially the surface of, of, of um, the underworld. And it's there, there are five different weapons in the game. Uh, the first time that I played, <sighs> there was a gun, and I only focused on the gun. And uh, that proved to be uh, a pretty bad decision. <laughs> <sighs> I hear your disappointed sigh. Yeah. <laughs> Done in by your own predilections. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, so this time around, I decided, you know what, I'm going to play around with some of these weapons. I'm going to figure out how they work, see what they do, and uh, I'll, I'll go from there. There are two weapons that I really, really, really like, and that's um, the fists and the shield. Um, the reason that I like the fists is because they're very quick, very easy to, you know, just get in, do some damage, get out. Uh, so I quite like that. The shield, um, I actually don't like its main attack. It is essentially when you pick up the shield, you, you've dedicated yourself to playing as Captain America. Uh, <laughs> uh, of because course. you got like a shield bash, and then for your special, it's throwing the shield. There are... One of the things that you can pick up as you are ascending is the Hammer of Daedalus, which essentially can either like change critical rates or or change the way a weapon works the reason that i like the shield so much is because there is a uh, hammer of daedalus upgrade that will cause the shield to bounce from like at standard it is three enemies that it bounces between you can upgrade that to seven if you if you get that lucky upgrade that can turn it into an absolutely devastating machine particularly if you got some good um, god buffs. So I, I like to play with those. Um, some of the good god benefits that I have found are there is one that's just straight up poison that I really like. That is from Dionysus. Um, technically it's called Hangover. Um, and uh, so that's, that's a nice one. Another one that is inflicted on enemies is called Doom. You get that from um, Ares. Uh, what that does is that that puts a dagger above enemies that are hit by it, and then it will just pop and do, like, I think it's it's either some percent of your damage or, like, critical damage. So it's, it's good to have those kind of benefits. Um, there are... I, I had the most trouble with the boss of the third floor, which is um, the Minotaur and Theseus. Uh, that is the only boss in the game that is a two-boss fight. 
in in one. You have to fight both of them. They both have separate health bars, and they are they both have like two phases to them. The reason that I had so much trouble with that is because uh, the Minotaur just can do a lot of damage really quickly. So that that was a huge thing for me to overcome. And then Theseus, after you take him down to a certain health percentage, he can actually get uh, bo bonuses from gods. So any gods that you did not pick, their bonuses can be put onto him. So you kind of have to like <laughs> know specifically the... the um, all of the god styles and, and what they can do because eventually you're going to be fighting them. So that's that's that was a pretty difficult fight for me. Uh, the other major boss fight that I had an issue with was actually Hades himself. In that uh, the first time I got to him, uh, there, what the game does that I actually do like is that there are death defiances. Which uh, if you get taken down to a to like no health... If you have death, defi death defiance left, you can you'll be you'll automatically just pop that and go back to like some percentage of health. It's usually about half of your health. When I first got to Hades, I had none of those left, and I was sitting in like the red health, and I was like, "Well, let's see how this goes." Predictably, I got murdered very quickly. Um, <laughs> then the second time that I got up to him. I uh, had, I believe I had three of my four Death Defiances, and I was doing really good damage. I had Poison, uh, I had um, one of the God Effects is that when you dash, you leave behind a Blade Rift that just sits there and does a little bit of damage. That was real good. I had a Summon that allowed me to just, just take no damage and just slide into the God and do contact damage, so that was great. Um, and I got him down to, like, I, I had depleted his health bar. And I was like, all right, great, I beat the game. Uh, Hades has a death defiance himself that you do not know about until you see it. And at that point, I had used all of my death defiances, and I was like, well, I'm rather upset now. <laughs> uh, I got murdered there as well. So I took him on a third time. I knew what I was doing. I was like, all right. I just need to stay uh, vigil. I need to like stay on the move. I, I, it's it's going to be a war of attrition where I am going to just inflict doom on him and walk away. Just avoid everything that I can, and that should be fine. I got him down to his uh, second health bar. His death defiance popped, and I was like, "All right, I'm sitting on two death defiances right now. I'm doing okay." I took a whole bunch of damage in the first half of that fight. Like, I, I popped both of my Death Defiances, and I was like, this is not going well for me, I don't know that I'm going to make it. And then I finally beat him, and and I cleared Hades. Uh, so I, I saw the first ending, essentially, and then after that, uh, you are allowed to go through the game on increased difficulties that like give you um, more supplies to upgrade your items, to upgrade your weapons, um, just by making the game more difficult. Um I haven't played it since then. For me, it's a little... It, it's... The thing that's nice about uh, Binding of Isaac and Enter the Gungeon is that, like, different characters unlock different items, and doing different things lets you, like, gives you the incentive to keep going and playing with the toys that you get. As far as Hades go, it doesn't really have that aspect to it. So now that I beat him with... Uh, now that I beat Hades with the shield and the spear... Uh, or rather, the shield. Just the shield... 
I, I, it doesn't, it's not like I unlocked a new weapon or unlocked a new bonus. It's just like, all right, you did it. You, you want to do it with the other ones and get nothing else? And it's like, not really. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, isn't the, isn't the incentive more story? It is, but I don't care about the story. <laughs> I don't play roguelites for story. I, I play them to just, you know, sink hundreds of hours into them. And I mean, it, it does have that potential, but it's like the combat is, it's, it's good. It's good. I, I won't say that it's bad, but it's like, I want more fun toys to play with. Like, I, I want more variety to it. Like, that's the thing, is that the, the variety to Hades is not its strong suit. In, in that, I, I want to play Hades for, if, if, I, if I wanted to play the game for the story, it, it could have been an action RPG like Diablo. Like, I, I, I don't see a reason for it to be based as this, like, roguey genre that, like, it, you, you continuously die and have to go back again. Obviously, they wrote it such that way that, like, you have a reason that you keep dying. You have a reason that you keep coming back and have to keep going through the story over and over again. But honestly, like, it could have just been an, an action RPG and told that story, and, and that would have been fine as well. Like, I... Yeah, it's it's just I I feel like the rogue goodness of it is kind of held back by the fact that Supergiant wanted to tell this story. Well, it is a Supergiant game, so they're going to want to tell their narrative and they're going to want to be ha- have characters talking to you all the time uh because that is again a Supergiant game. Yeah, certainly. And uh, and like they're very good at what they do, like the games that they make are very pretty. Uh, I've heard that they're a very nice company to work for. They have like mandatory vacation time. Cool, great, awesome. They're they're very high on inclusion. There are a couple characters that are written as bisexual or just straight up queer, which is cool. But it's like, okay, you can do all of that, but you don't need to make it a specific genre that I want to play. <laughs> and and I guess in a way that's just me complaining. But but I mean, at the same time, you know, there. I, I feel like it would have been. I feel like this story would have been done better in a different genre. Well, I mean, that's one of those things that like it's almost impossible for me to visualize. Since like it would be such a different game, since like so much of the narrative is built mm-hmm. around you dying and coming back and talking to everybody again, or encountering people out in the world, and then eventually they go back to home base and you talk to them. And it's funny about, like, the whole, you said escaping Hades at first, and it's worth noting, like, somebody asked, like, okay, escaping Hades, like, you mean the place or the man? And the answer is yes, yeah. you're escaping both. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> That's Greek mythology for you. Yeah, it, I mean, in this case, like, Hades is the name of both the underworld and the deity controlling it. But, um, but anyways, like, yeah, like, it is structured around, like, you know, you dying, you, you coming back, you powering up, and... Uh, you also talking to everybody and getting more context every time. And yeah, like I, I have not played it myself, but like I've seen enough of it and I know the basic premise. Uh, well, so much for that potential topic idea about like uh, you talking about as a fan of roguelikes, why you, why you don't like Hades that much. Now you're like, no, I, I like Hades. Okay. Like, and, and I will, and I'll tell you like, I like Hades. Okay. That's not a good topic. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, Two people just saying, "Yeah, Hades is all right." <laughs> like that—that's that's boring. Like you know, you either need to you either need to love something or you need to hate it. Okay, so uh, 
so so that so that topic's out the window. Fortunately, like there's dozens more. So, uh, well, uh, that's interesting. I uh, I mean, I guess given your habits, I'm not too surprised that you would eventually return to it. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I I I assume that like. I, I should stop saying that I don't like games <laughs> because I assume in, you know, like two years I'll be like, well, I guess I'd, I I need to just turn my brain off. This game sucked. And then I'll just be like, oh, my God, this is, this is the greatest game I've played in a while. <laughs> well, it, I mean, if you're doing it based upon an, an incomplete opinion, then like, you know, yeah, like it's inherently going to be uh, flawed. Like, you know, kind of like how for near uh, near not near automatic, near near replicant, like which you came back to. I didn't get the feeling you hated that the first time, but when you returned to it, you liked it way more. And it's just, mm. you know, that is just what happens with incomplete opinions. Sometimes. Hey, it had a really bland intro, and it forced me to do a side quest. I was upset. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, well, speaking of side quests, my other bigger major game this week was. Yakuza Kiwami 2. And that's the context of, like, why did I play Virtual Fighter 2 and Virtual On? The answer is, like, both of them were in the arcades that are in Yakuza Kiwami 2. So my my biggest question is how crazy is Yakuza Kiwami 2? Is it is it traditional Yakuza shenanigans with with a weird with an actual story in there oh oh yeah oh yeah this is this is totally all of that like continued like uh well I'll, I'll just get into it with the story at first like it it turned into like a, a it's about the line of succession and like you know Yakuza ruling the underworld like which I think is a pretty typical thing for the series and there's also a secondary or important, like, kind of a duo agonist. Like, her name is Kaoru, and she's, like, a cop from Osaka, and she's a major character in this. And uh, and I did know that, like, for her as a character, it's worth noting, like, for, you know, firstly, they, of course, like, made, it, made her look like a Japanese model. Uh, but, like, um, uh, on the other hand, like, she's, she's, like, a computer genius or whatever, so that's a big part of her character. But, like, when it comes to being an actual cop like in the field and like having to shoot people like uh like she's honestly not, not that great a cop like she's constantly freezing when she has to do stuff uh so she gets herself in trouble uh because of that but like over the course of the game her and kiru develop a relationship like because like due to circumstances in the story like you know she has kind of kiru under house arrest and she insists that she be, be around him and of course like due to the circumstances of the game she's not actually around him though in the entire game but uh that is the conceit. Uh, but like at the end of it, like it, it, like it actually developed up to the point where, where I was like, I was like kind of mildly invested in their relationship. And like, they, they made it very clear that like, you know, there was like, there was actually, you know, something there for each other. And so I, I looked it up to see if like it perpetuated after Yakuza two. And, uh, it turns out that, uh, at, at the start of Yakuza 3, she tells Kiru that they both need to follow their own path, and she leaves to train as a cop in America, and she never appears in the story again. And I was just like, just like, well, screw you, Yakuza. Like, yeah, I, I know, I've seen some of the Yakuza series. Uh, I know that Kiryu uh, goes through a lot of stuff 
Um, and I was like, all right, well, maybe, maybe he's got someone, someone that he's got something for. Maybe he's got something he's fighting for. I'm so upset that it's just, well, I'm going to go off camera forever now. Yeah, that's basically what it comes down to. Like, she's written off of the series in Yakuza 3. Like, they decided that Kira actually can't be happy. It actually would have been interesting if, like, hey, like, what if he tried to balance having a relationship? What if he started a family or something like that? And the answer is, like, no. They just they just write her off. And I guess, like, by the end of the series, I guess the uh, a character from the first Yakuza game, like, was, I guess, his... They, they act like Kaoru never existed and, like, the... the childhood friend for the first Yakuza game uh, was like his only love all along or whatever. And it's just like, you know, and like what is so even though there was a sequential story, like they're the Yakuza games, their internal stories for their each own games are what matters the most, honestly, in the moment. Uh, but, uh, and so the primary gameplay loop, honestly, in the game is just, is just beating up random thugs, de- delinquents, and yakuza that are walking down the street. They will pick a fight with you, and it will be the worst day of their lives. Uh, like usually, when like a, a gang would notice me, I will go over and like find a bike uh, and immediately pick up a bike because a bike is the best weapon in the game. Because uh, Hero will just swing it around in a wide arc, and so like it's very possible to hit several enemies with just one swing of a bike. Uh, and and just completely mess them up, and uh, and you have a hunger gauge, and you uh, you will go into the different restaurants around Kamurocho, and also the place in Osaka that like there's two main locations in this game, but um, and like and you will and you will gain some experience, uh, and it's worth noting there's there's five different experience bars in this game, like you gain points in five of them. Uh, and basically, and <laughs> abilities you unlock draw from uh, one or multiple of those uh, different uh, po- points pile. So like, but like you want to eat because like that gives you more experience and and like, but you can only do it when like your hunger gauge is depleted and you deplete it by fighting. So like, that's actually kind of the natural loop of the game is like is fighting people and then r- r- rush over and saying like you know all uh, like you know quick give me some ramen and just stuffing it in your face um, and you get experience and you both and you heal yourself uh, so it's the uh, the proud Japanese tradition of food built into game systems uh, continues in this uh, I would honestly say the attitude of the game is like a jokester, but but Kiru is always the straight man. Like he is always completely serious in all circumstances, no matter how ridiculous. Like he, uh, he is not. I, it's it's like he's not in on the joke of the game. Uh, like they're like the designers are w- winking and nodding at you, but not through Kiru, through everything around Kiru. Oh, Kiru is so hilarious! How how much of a straight man he is. <laughs> It's 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 pretty great. It's pretty great. I like it, and probably like no more exemplified than like there's one extremely random side mission wherein like I help somebody on the uh, uh, on the uh, side of the street. The guy's boss comes over. is like you know, hey, let me give me give you a treat. And then you you're in this one place, and this lady says like you know, hey, like you know, hey, do you, you know, do you want me to change you? Do you want do you want a bottle? I was just like, what? What are you talking about? And it's just like, you know, okay, you know, okay, no, come on, baby. Like, don't you want? I was just like, and Kira was like, I should go. And then he ends up, 
And she was like, no, no, do this. And then she, he, she like pushes him and he like pulls down a face wall and like, and there are, uh, and then you see an image of like the boss and his underlings, like d- uh, grown men dressed up as babies behaving <laughs> like babies on the ground. Uh, and, and Kiru kind of no sells that it's just like, this isn't my scene. I'm going to leave. <laughs> And that, but of course, like you end up fighting all of them after that. Like you know, the boss is insulted, but when you rebuff his offer, but like, and and that is one of the two Mimi scenes that come directly from Kiwami too. Yeah, I know exactly what scene you're talking about. I've seen it. Yeah, like, yeah. So you've probably seen that scene, and I'm here to tell you, even in the context of the game, it is extremely out of nowhere <laughs> and unexpected. I I did not see it coming, uh, and. Even though, yeah, even though I know it existed somewhere in the in the Yakuza series, so yeah, that is just kind of this game, like <laughs> the and I know is it like you've probably heard that the side missions are the best part of the Yakuza. Yes, uh, like that 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 is not inaccurate in a way, in part because like the side missions are in coherent within their own stories. The main story tends to be like overly elaborate and overly written and. Uh, kind of and too self-serious but like the side missions can often be very very silly uh and like and and whatever like frankly the designers felt like coming up with a a lot of the time it's just like beat up this person but other times like i remember i like i came across a random game designer who was just like you know like you know oh hey i need somebody anybody to voice this one character and then kira talked to him it was just like wow your voice is amazing you should you know you'd be perfect for this game and so it was just like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go, we'll go in and do this. And so like, you're acting off of another guy and, uh, the, <laughs> and you, you go, you go in there and like, and you're two boys in a, in a school environment and, uh, and there's some obvious wrong lines, uh, that you, that you can say, uh, uh, you know, such as like, you know, like, Hey, I've, uh, like it's, it's obvious that like it's warming up to be a lo- you know a love confession and one of the things like Kira can say is like you know they should like you know oh like you know we should definitely meet each other's par- parents if this is getting serious and the other actor was was like was like you know no you you can't inject your own morals in this like we're <laughs> <laughs> oh god I love that <laughs> and just to follow the script and it turns out to be a BL game which stands for boy love so like you know it, it comes with a love confession and then like I guess they have relations immediately afterwards and Kira waking the sounds for that were pretty hilarious uh, and he notes that that this is all apparently popular among girls and he remarks that games have come a long way uh, <laughs> that's super funny because in Yakuza 0 there's a side quest about <laughs> about like getting a kid a copy of Dragon Quest One essentially. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It <laughs> because that game takes place in the eighties. So yeah, what like and and I want to play Yakuza Zero, but like this game. And it's worth noting like one of the kind of charming aspects of it is that like even though this game came out like a few years ago, it kept the game's original setting, contemporary setting, which is two thousand six. Uh, so because of that, like everybody has flip loans, uh, you know, it's the, it, it is technologically appropriate to the time. Uh, but 
yeah, the, the the main story, like, there's a lot of exposition. I've talked a lot before about, like, Jack, Japanese exposition. This is definitely Japanese exposition in the game. Like, anytime there's a major story, like, it goes into stuff like, hey, like, there was this Korean gang that was wiped out. There was uh, children that were unaccounted for. Well, the game came back. Like, a rival who, who wants to be the... Uh, dragon of all Yakuza, like, you know, as I said, like, the the cop lady, Kaoru, is, is tied up in all this, like, it's, uh, and by, by the end of it, uh, uh, by the time the game ends, there are several secret Koreans, uh, a body double, a fake death, uh, a double cross, and a secret diffuse time bomb in the in the final location. Like it is, it pulls out all the stops of just all of the hokiest stuff uh, you can possibly imagine. And I would honestly find it more entertaining if it just wasn't so serious about it. Like it, like the main st- story is deathly serious all of the time. And I don't know, like it's like it, it doesn't match the tone of both the rest of the game and how ridiculous the story is. Uh, but you know, it's also worth noting in in the meme sense. You you know that meme you, you like of Kira slamming down his fist on a desk and walking out of a room. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also from this game. Hey, there you so, go. Uh, yeah, but yeah, one of the fun things that like one of the things that makes the game work is like fortunately like punching and kick, kicking people is fun uh, and visceral. And, like, uh, you can kick people while they're on the ground. Like, it's very satisfying. Like, the game goes slow-mo whenever you do it. And just, like, if you hit the uh, power attack button and, and if the en- enemy is on the ground, like, Hero will just do, like, a, 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 P- a PK kick on them on the ground. And it's just satisfying to see them, like, spinning through through the air as you've, like, you know, lo- launched them with a with a uh, mighty kick from Hero's boot. Yeah. Uh, but uh, on top of that, there you have a heat gauge, and you can eventually unlock like just a meter that like, or or like a super mode that will let you do more damage and also potentially do more damaging attacks, which are also very fun. In that, like if if you hit a uh, strong attack at certain times, like you can mass the strong attack and it'll kind of zoom in on like you kicking or punching the person and like. And if you mash enough, like, you'll do a lot of damage to them in that mode. Uh, but there's also heat actions, wherein, like, you use whatever is in your hand to, like, do a special attack on the enemy uh, that will do a lot of damage. Uh, and probably my favorite heat, heat action is when, if there happens to be a female pedestrian who's near, uh, he, uh, it's will hit, a, hit, a, hit the assailant into the breasts of some nearby woman and she proceeds to headbutt him and knee him into the air oh i thought it uh, was, i thought it was gonna be a lot different like he would punch a dude and then like grab the lady and just kiss her <laughs> no no there's there's nothing like that K- kiro is is almost sexless uh like he's he he is he is weird that way despite the fact that like again like he's shown interest in women like in both yakuza one and two like he's uh, like and also watches uh, adult movies in this in this movie. Like he's not he's not really a sexual creature. Really, it's it's odd. But uh, and he would certainly like and he's such an honorable man. He would definitely never randomly kiss a lady. Like uh, that is that that is not his mo. But 
there was another heat action, or there was a couple heat uh, heat actions where, like, if you have a knife and use the heat action, you'll just like plunge it into your opponent's stomach and then like knee it, it like knee it directly through them. Oh my god, uh, that's brutal! <laughs> and if you have a gun, like Hero will just like sh- like unload a clip on their chest and then and then pistol whip them. <laughs> And, I mean, certain other things, it's kind of implied that, like, okay, like, maybe these people go to the hospital, they can get up. But, like, seeing those things, I was just like, that's just murder cure. Yes. Like, you know, you are, you are, you are killing them. <laughs> like, there is, there is no getting up from what you are doing to them right now. Mm-hmm. So That's especially funny, because in Japan, guns are just straight up outlawed. <laughs> yeah, like, you, it's, it's very, very difficult for... And non-police to have uh, to have guns and like and sure enough like honestly honestly guns are kind of bad in the game most guns anyway like uh, and honestly using them in heat actions is some of the more effective ways uh, to use them but anyways like the the basic system is good like the the story is whatever but like you know it it, it is a yakuza game and all all those uh, great great and wonderful ways and I was glad to experience those now very meme moments of, of Yakuza that I didn't know were particularly from this game, but hey, yeah, like uh, oh, it's also worth noting that uh, Goro Majima, who's truly the heart of these games uh, absurd and insane, he's part of a construction minigame where like you can order a bunch of people around and uh, it's kind of a like half real-time strategy game where you're ordering minions around to protect certain pieces of construction equipment uh like in different missions i didn't you have to do one mission of that like i didn't do more of it than that but um and there's also of course like a hostess mini game where you run a hostess club for some ladies like you're a manager uh and that was another thing that I d- did not engage. Like, there's one mandatory part, and then after that, you can engage in that or not. And I have to say, I appreciate that I didn't have to spend a ton of time on those side activities, but they're there for whoever wants them. Um, there is also a short side story for Goro Majima uh, that's optional that gives like some uh, pretext for some of the events in it, like. Uh, Goro is fun, fun to use. Like, he has less options, but, like, he uses a knife just right out. So, like, he has better range. He has a cool, agile style, uh, and a lot, a lot of, a lot of good range. And his, like, unlike Kiro, like, I, I do get the sense that, like, he's, he's fine with just randomly killing people all the time. Uh, but, like, in it, probably the highlight for me in that very brief, like, it's like an hour and a half long. It's not super long, but, like, is the fact that the antagonist is voiced by Takehiro Koyasu, a.k.a. the voice of Dio. Yes! Uh, <laughs> and it was it was very noticeable, but, like, I, part of the reason I, I really like Koyasu is that, like, even though I can tell his voice whenever it's him, he always puts his own spin on the character. Like, he doesn't do the same voice all the time. And in this case, like... Like the character was a calculating businessman type yakuza, so that's kind of what he was playing. He wasn't playing an especially crazy person. Uh, so, but that that's just kind of a side note. But uh, yeah. So switching over to that to the story that just won't die, which is Activision Blizzard uh, Tuesday. 
you've been to Hades already this week. Uh, why don't you take us there for another trip? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would certainly like to be in Hades instead of this nightmare timeline that we're living in. Uh, but alas, um, the first major thing is that uh, Blizzard is pulling interest in NFTs and PDE games. Uh, gross. <laughs> Which, like, just side note, I just want to say, I'm I'm surprised they weren't on top of it when it, like, was really big in, in like, late fall, like, kind of winter of 2020, early, early 2022, rather. Um, kind of surprised that this wasn't the first thing that they jumped on. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, as reported um, by Video Game Chronicles... Uh, several players were asked to complete a YouGov survey uh, that mentioned uh, technology, including NFTs, in the Activision Blizzard products. Um, fun fact, to update, uh, shortly after that, um, <laughs> the Blizzard, uh, a Blizzard representative, president rather, uh, Mike Yabara said, no one is doing NFTs. <laughs> Which is so funny. Um, just the immediate back back turn, considering that some of these companies, and we'll talk about one, you know, get this disinterest, and then they say, "And eh, never mind, we'll we we'll we'll keep doing it." Uh, Activision Blizzard just pulled interest and said, "Nope." <laughs> it's kind of to me. I think it's funny how Mike Mike Ibarra feels like he would have the final say on that, since he wouldn't. Uh, but uh, we. <laughs> And maybe it would be over his resignation, in which case, like, I'm sure the board would accept it. But, mm -hmm. um, but anyways, I'm sure they're pulling interest internally. Like, they're, I, I can't imagine Activision not a, at least looking into this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even if nothing comes into it. But that is, uh, that is hardly the least of the news for Activision Blizzard. Like, there was, there was something, something else that could be construed as positive. Mm -hmm. uh, Activision Blizzard is doubling the number of women on its board, which I would say is a good thing. Uh, Activision Blizzard has confirmed plans to double the number of women on its board of directors. Uh, Lulu Chang Messerveri has been elected to join the board, while Carrie Carr will be nominated for election to the board at the company's annual meeting of stockholders. Uh, this comes from Video Game Chronicles as well. This is a good thing, um, specifically in reference to the firestorm that was everything that happened in 2021 for Activision Blizzard. Increasing the number of women on board is going to allow for a little bit more advocacy for the fairer treatment of women in that company. Um, of course, there is still the um, deal supposedly underway with Microsoft um, that would have micro or Activision Blizzard be acquired by Microsoft, which... Microsoft has said that they are, you know, aiming to uh, crack down on that, but if that is the case or not, only time would tell. Uh, but I, I think it is positive. Uh, Activision Blizzard's Ford board formerly composed of eight men and two women. Uh, so um, that that is quite a bit of a uh, dis, uh, uneven figure there. Yeah, like, and it's worth noting, like, they did this because they were actually, 
in violation of a California law, like as of last year. So like, there's only so much credit I'm willing to give to them for this. Like, uh, oh, I didn't even know it was a law thing. I'm just at this point, I'm just not phased. I'm like, oh well, makes sense. Yeah, there's. I mean, how should any of this like? There, it's clear. California California legislation has uh, had a huge effect on things they do and do not do do or are looking to do or so on and so forth. But uh, that uh, uh, if, if only they could hope that like this was the we could end on a positive note for the general news, but no, no, there, there is in fact far worse news for Activision Blizzard right now. Oh yes, definitely. Uh, Activision Blizzard sales and engagements are starting to tumble coming from games industry biz. Uh, modern modest revenue growth at King is offset by a 49% drop from Activision and a 43% decline from Blizzard. Uh, company wide revenues were down 22% year to year over year. Uh, 1.77 billion, while net bookings slid 29% to 1.448 billion. A uh, net income from the period was down 36% to 3395 million. Uh, the Activision business segment saw the greatest de- decline, with revenues sliding 49% to 453 million. Obviously, those are not numbers to uh, wink at. Um, specifically, but, uh, yeah, I, I like that there's like a half, just like a full half of their profit gone. That's, that's, mm, that is delicious. <laughs> yeah. Those numbers by any, any meter are significant and terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not just the like sales down and like engagement is really killer too, because like if people are just like put if putting away their games or like not engaging it, like, you know, particularly since like. There's a lot of things like World of Warcraft and like honestly Call of Duty where like engagement is very key. Mm-hmm. And if people have just like stopped uh, playing those games and have turned to other things, like you can't easily monetize them again in the future. So like uh, that is that is just terrible by any, frankly, <laughs> accounting. Like there's there is no getting around it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a bad, bad scenario for, for Activision Blizzard, specifically because with some of their bigger earners, like Call of Duty, they they get people with the DLC. That's that's what they make money off of, and if people are just not engaging with that, they're not going to buy the DLC. Yeah, like the skins and whatnot, like, you know, they make huge money off of that, and like, yeah, people are generally not going to be buying that if they are just not playing those games. Mm-hmm. But uh, besides all that, we had some interesting notes coming about out about the future of one Mr. Robert Kotick. Yes, uh, Microsoft has not discussed Bobby Kotick's post-acquisition employment status, it has claimed. Um, while Activision Blizzard claims that, C- the, that Bobby Kotick hasn't discussed with Microsoft whether he will remain at the company after the proposed acquisition deal. Uh, no discussions or negotiations regarding post-closing employment arrangements with Microsoft occurred between Microsoft and Mr. Kotick prior to the approval and the execution of the merger agreement and the transactions contemplated thereby, or have occurred subsequent to such approval and execution through the date hereof, it claims. Obviously, that is business legalese for, we haven't talked about it, but uh, <laughs> a lot of us, a lot of us, uh, including the Wall Street Journal, 
has reported that sources said to be familiar sources said that are familiar with Robert Kotick uh, told that they expected him to be leaving. So uh, it's definitely I I have a hard time believing that they haven't talked about it because you know with all of the things that we've talked about over over just this one problem individual. Oh man, I I have a hard time believing that we won't be that that he'll be staying on there. Yeah, I I think it's more likely that he could leave. But like, hey Tuesday, do you, do you know what would be a worse scenario than like uh, Bobby Kotick uh, leaving on his own terms? How about him staying on his own terms? Mm. Uh, how would that sit sit with you? Uh, not great, not great. I'm gonna I'm gonna be completely honest. Not good at all. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's this is definitely saying that like even though by any measure at all like you would think that he would definitely be gone. I mean he should honestly be gone already. But like I mean he's managed to avoid that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like and he definitely has pushed like the since like a a hurdle has been jumped this past past week when it came to the stockholders uh, and he certainly approved of that this week. Yeah. Um the Activision Blizzard stockholders are overwhelmingly voting in the favor for the Microsoft acquisition, uh, with 98% of the shares voted to approve the transaction. So, um, yeah, that's a pretty significant number. Um, Bobby Kotick says that today, overwhelming support, overwhelmingly supportive vote by our stockholders confirms our shared belief that combined with Microsoft, we will be even better positioned to create great value for our players. Um, however, it does not mean that it is going to go through, uh, as it still needs to be investigated by the FTC. Uh, Bloomberg has reported that Activision Blizzard are trading, are still trading at 25% lower than the $95 per stock proposed by Microsoft, suggesting that investors believe there, there's a risk the buyout might not happen. So essentially what they are saying is they're not super confident that it's going to be there, so they're just kind of like putting the numbers lower. Uh, we we did note earlier uh, that multiple Democratic senators and the Biden White House have been very critical of um, mergers and acquisitions. So there's there's there is a believable risk that this might not go through. You know because again we've talked about it. It would take off competitive nature to you know the gaming industry. It would just essentially wipe out a massive third-party supporter for a lot of consoles and platforms. Also, it's a lot of money changing a lot of hands. Certainly, certainly. And that's the kind of interesting part that, like, clearly the people who are already stockholders, like, they would want to see the acquisition because, like, that would potentially make a return on what they have. But at the same time, like, there's definitely hedges be. Uh, the bets are being hedged, uh, certainly. Like, uh, and it, because it is definitely not a fait accompli. And I mean, like, and if if the if the deal gets scuttled, then then what? Like, probably at that point, I feel like Kotick and a lot of the board would have to resign at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you can't accept that with this and everything else. Like, I don't think they could stay. And then, like, you'd basically have to do rebuilding, like, everything else. Like, you know, the, the, it's basically all been built on, like, okay, Microsoft's going to acquire us. And if they don't acquire them, then, then like, 
then like the I'm sure the stock would plummet. Like they like I said, they would have to leave, and you would have to have new leadership at the company, and like and that's a bunch of chaos that frankly Wall Street doesn't like. And uh, and who knows what the, what the future would be for like that, that company since like it again like has set itself up for like either Microsoft or bust with the current leadership. So uh, I understand the reluctance there uh, because it is a non-trivial risk, frankly. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing uh, is that like like you said, it's Microsoft or bust. Like and and. In, in a way, I'm kind of hoping that it's bust in that, like, if they get some good leadership in there, if they if they can find people who are dedicated about making things better, Activision Blizzard could unbesmirch its name. You know, they, they have the opportunity, but I don't know that they're going to be able to do that. Like, you know, it's, it's not a 50-50% chance if it's a bust. It's more like a 95-5% chance. 95 being that everything's going to go to hell. Yeah, like I feel like if there was an opportunity to avoid that, that would have been like last year when like maybe Connick and other members of the board w- would have resigned and they would have set up the city or like or basically said I'm going to resign at that time. That also would have been acceptable to like basically I'm going to find a successor and I'm going to you know so on and so forth. But basically saying I am leaving uh, and go- going to try and set up the company in another way, uh, but. Uh, that is that is not what happened. Like basically, the opposite of that happened, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and yeah, like so, uh, and we'll have to wait and see. Like no, nobody knows whether it's going to go down or not. I would still probably say that the safer bet would be on it still going through, but it is it is not a fait accompli. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely not. But um, Speaking of the other half of this, uh, for Microsoft and Xbox, uh, and news for them recently, a, a news came out from Chris Novak, who is the who was the head of research and design at Xbox for nearly twenty years, uh, November t- uh, uh, two thousand two, uh, that uh, that he that he is de- he has departed, uh, saying. Resigned from Xbox and Microsoft in my last days today, the 19th. I started Xbox in November two th- in, of 2002, so after 20 years, I know this news will either come as a surprise or as expected. It's a mix of both. Uh, I'm going to spend some li- some time doing a, li- uh, doing a life and design tour everywhere I can. I want to collaborate and, and chat design, and design games or product. Uh, or product. Please reach out, uh, no matter the industry. Just notable there that... Uh, yeah, such a high-ranking guy who's been there since practically the beginning is uh, is is leading Microsoft leadership. Though it doesn't seem like any sort of internal strife, just an issue of like he he's been there for 20 years and just wants to move on. Uh, that happens. In the realm of other jobs, uh, Microsoft published on LinkedIn. Both of these posts were on LinkedIn, which uh, is worth noting. Uh, Microsoft owns LinkedIn. Uh, they posted a job listing for a the game game strategy and development team uh, serves a corporate strategy function for Team Xbox, uh, and it described partner closer closely with the gaming leadership team to identify, evaluate, and transformative growth opportunities. Our charter includes helping 
to answer Microsoft Gaming's most challenging business questions. Leading Gaming's M&A program, e.g. Activision Blizzard, ZeniMax, and Double Fine, and identifying and understanding key dynamics. Uh, so, a, a lot of business speak here, but like the idea that like they're hiring for somebody who's like uh, directly dealing with M and A work says that like they are definitely not finished at looking at things, uh, which I don't feel like that should be a surprise at all. I mean, like they've I feel like it's worked out pretty well for them over the past few years. So like, why should they stop? Uh, but uh, another thing that happens. Recently, the original Halo composers, uh, who noted in February that they had sued Microsoft, Marty O'Donnell and Mike Salvatore, uh, said it uh, said that they had uh, amicably resolved their differences with Microsoft. So I'm guessing that is a non-disclosed settlement. Like, uh, and they will probably not talk about it again, but. This means there isn't any risk of like the Halo music getting pulled by that t- from that TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that was a threat for a pit. <laughs> <laughs> I I was gonna say that you know I'm I'm enthused that like I, I I support artists. I I feel that you and I are in the artist category in a way. You know I mean mm-hmm. a settlement I suppose is is you know a victory. But honestly, it's just throw money at the problem till it's gone. And I mean, that's kind of the way that a lot of these corporate things happen. Um, but hey, I at least they uh, probably came out on top from that. Yeah, yeah, hopefully they uh, profited a bit. I'm, I'm willing to bet they, they, did, they did not get nothing. But, uh, but in, uh, in other Xbox news, the... Uh, well, E3 is dead for 2022. The Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase lives on, and that is going to be happening on Sunday, June 12th at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. How rude to have that on a Sunday. We <laughs> uh, streamed over 30 languages. I'm sure Starfield is going to be a huge part of that, since that is definitely their biggest title this year. Uh, but I'm sure there'll be updates for other things. But that's definitely taking place in the E3 time frame, around when usually Microsoft does its press conference. So they're going ahead with their own thing, even if nobody does anything else uh, that week. Uh, but as I've noted before, like it doesn't really matter if everybody does things at the same time. And in fact, like it probably makes things harder. So whatever. But... A final note, Microsoft actually announced that their gaming business posted uh, record revenue for a non-holiday quarter ending Mar- March 31st, 2022, up 6% year-over-year to $3.5 billion, uh, from $3.5 billion to uh, $3.74 billion. Uh, uh, Microsoft said Xbox Content Services was up 4% over year-over-year. Uh, Game Pass and uh, first-party titles partially upside, uh, offset by declines from the third-party titles. Uh, hardware revenue apparently increased 14%. Also, uh, as an addendum to that, the CEO of Microsoft, Satya Nadella, noted that 
their Xbox Series X consoles, we have taken share globally for two quarters in a row. And we are the market leader this quarter among next-gen consoles in the United States, Canada, the UK, and Western Europe. So that is a uh, an interesting to note on that. And I, I think there's a couple things worth unpacking about that statement. Like when we talk about taking share globally like i think that's kind of their way of saying like hey we weren't the best selling console but we sold more more than we usually do as compared to the competitors so like we increased our our uh our like market share uh of of it totally uh like because i feel like if you were the top selling console you would just say that yeah uh and you wouldn't you wouldn't use this uh, you wouldn't obscure it with this like kabuki business language mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very similar to how, for a long time, they kept saying that um, Xbox Game Pass is, is sustainable or something like that. They never yeah. directly said, oh, this is absolutely a profit for us. They they kept it in that vague, like, business legalese kind of setting where, yeah, we, we can keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And it's also worth noting that, like, uh, when he talked about the United States, Canada, UK, Western Europe, like those have always been the strongest regions for Xbox. Like PlayStation has to, like PlayStation is is fairly strong everywhere. Like, uh, but like, I mean, Japan is still their home base. Like, so it, it makes me wonder if like Microsoft hasn't lately like doubled down on the places where they have been strongest in Xbox and shipped more supply there. Since like, of course, like. Yeah, they can't really keep Xbox Series consoles in stock, and we can't keep play, PlayStation Fives in stock, and uh, and it's still months and months for uh, like everybody I know to get like a Steam Deck. So like so, you know, not, not, nothing has been you know everything is in huge demand, and nobody can buy anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, but anyways. Uh, and I'll have further sales notes uh, coming up up in a bit. But before we get to the MPD, uh, Tuesday, why don't you tell us about uh, tell us about something that we so didn't want to hear from the Square Enix president? Yeah. So, um, oh man there's a lot of really weird things to unpack for square enix right now um square enix president reiterates his desire to make play to earn blockchain games gross uh early in the year like essentially the first day i think it was you know there was that massive letter from um yosuke matsuda saying yeah we're gonna do nfts and and blockchain games and that's 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 great that's cool um nobody liked that games are games are for it used to be for people who have fun but like we're gonna have we're gonna focus on something new now like clearly not having fun like they're though like go over some of these weird quotes like i I can't even like they can't be properly paraphrased you just have to read them yeah sure uh some of the favorites in in the future we would like to try our hand at providing autonomous game content what a weird thing uh, until now, in most games, we provided the content as a finished product and the players that played that content. However, there are a certain number of players in the world who want to contribute to making games more interesting by creating new settings and ways of playing. 
In the future, we want to utilize the power of these people to create games that will continue to evolve. If, instead of relying on goodwill, we can provide incentives to those who contribute to development by utilizing technologies such as blockchain, there is a possibility that innovative and interesting content can be created from the ideas of users. So essentially, are they, is this just like a labor shortage thing? Like, do, do they not employ enough people anymore? <laughs> no, it's a greed thing. You know, I just want to say that, like, for the record, like, part of the reason I consider NFTs and games to be just obnoxious is just, like, like, look, I'm not a, a total anti-capitalist or anything like that, but, like, to put it simply, when you put, like, actual money in the concerns of games, like, you know, that changes your relationship to that thing. Like, mm -hmm. once you have actual investment in it, like, you know, not just emotional investment. Like, I mean, like, we generate fake currency all the time in game, but, like, that's different because, like, it has no real world value. Like so, so like it's just fun. It's just play money. It's like it's like getting monopoly money. Whatever. Like it doesn't matter. But like once you add things with actual value, actual stakes, like that changes your relationship to it. And like, and it's the same as how like you know making something something your hobby into your job or whatever. Like you know that changes your relationship to it. Like that can also change your relationship to your game. And I feel like he and other people don't understand that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but anyways, like oh. <laughs> I just wanted to add that that briefly as a side. Like I, um, he, he said he said some other things about like uh, Japanese studios in the West. Unless you had something else to add about about him and NFTs there. Uh, uh nope, nope. It's just uh, you know disappointing. Uh, <laughs> I I will note yeah. that uh, in in both of the recent press conferences we covered for both Nintendo and Sony, there were quite a few exciting uh, Square Enix games uh, announced. Still not getting them new. Um, you know, if, if they're physical versions, it's all used for me until they backtrack on this. Yeah, wait. I, I said very recently that I was like, oh, we haven't heard anything. Like, hopefully there's nothing. Uh, hopefully that means it's been quietly dropped. Nope. Uh, the Square Agent Prime is president letting you know that he is there to disappoint me personally. But, um, I mean, he, he also said some other things about, like, uh, Japanese studio is like that. We should also note that. Yes. Uh, he stated that it's Japanese studios shouldn't try to imitate Western develop Western developers. Uh, the president of Square Enix has stated that the company's Japanese studios shouldn't try to make games aimed specifically at Western players. Uh, nowadays, the games market is globalized. The domestic market used to be big, but now it's behind China and the U.S. If you're not recognized globally, you're not in business. But interestingly, if Japanese studios try to imitate Western games, they cannot make good ones. The design of the monsters and the visual and audio effects are all still somewhat Japanese, and players around the world know that this is what Japanese makes this is what makes Japanese games good. He added that overseas markets are important, but it's not enough to only develop for them. And and despite all the blockchain nft grossness i i do generally agree with this statement honestly and and to equate that like you know if if you look at western developed horror games like there there are a lot of indie games that like definitely have like interesting and unique stories and stuff like that but then you look at some of the japanese horror games like 
the Fatal Frame series, the first three specifically, because we don't want to talk about four and five. Those, <laughs> those are very unique and interesting games that have like a different sense of horror to them. And and Silent Hill one, two, and three all distinctly feel very Japanese, despite taking place in in America. In in I believe it's even like, it's either like Washington or like Midwest America. It's it's like some small kind of area of of the country. Like, those still feel very Japanese. Like, and, and it's just, like, trying to imitate another a country's culture is never going to go well. In, I, I will correct myself. It went well once, and that was Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> yeah, um, there you go. I would actually say, like, that game has a very Western style of open world. So, like, it uh, it, it all worked out in the end. Uh it, it made the uh, Samurai Ninja open world game that people said they wanted for years from Ubisoft, mm -hmm. uh, but but Ubisoft did not make. But yeah, yeah, like the, the, that quote is worth like you know I don't disagree with the sentiment on that. It's just like somehow with with NFTs, he has just lost his mind over that. Yeah. But uh, there was speaking of NFTs, like you know there was another like. Uh, different thing from like a, a climate group like issuing a statement like about responsible NFT usage that I think is worth uh, mentioning. Yeah, Climate Replay has launched the pledge online, which any company or person can sign, uh, which is designed to make NFTs more used responsibly in video games. The group, which is made up of Mojang developers, has posted the NFT slash digital ownership pledge on its website and is encouraging developers, development studios, publishers, and individuals to sign it. The pledge asks that developers uh, and publishers commit to ensuring that any digital ownership, including NFTs, meets a set of criteria to make sure that they aren't harmful to players or the environment. By signing this pledge, you are not only showing your support for studios who have already signed the pledge, but encouraging other studios to do the same, the group says. Um, some of the seven points to ensure that the NFTs are used responsibly are bring meaningful value to players, does not use technology that is intentionally inefficient, resulting in concrete significant environmental impact, does not embrace artificial scarcity to generate speculative value, does not rely on unregulated volatile cryptocurrency, does not disproportionately benefit early adopters or wealthy users' players, does not perpetuate either of the following negative aspects of the PDE Myrtle, P2E model of informal jobs and shifts the primary purpose of the game from enjoyment to earning money, which is something that we just talked about, and is implemented with transparency that takes seriously concerns from studio members. Uh, fun fact, NFTs violate all of these instantly. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was like, I saw that I was just like, you know, yeah, yes, I agree with these points, but like also no NFTs I've seen from, uh, like, honestly, don't not violate those, except for like, I think the cryptocurrency thing, like, you know, I, I don't think all of them are exactly cryptocurrencies, but like everything else, it's just like, no, like they're like, I haven't seen anybody do, devoted to any of those things. Like, this is all well and good. Like, I can, I can agree with those things, but like, I have yet to see an NFT offering in games that lives up to this, mm -hmm. uh, or is even close. There, there is a reason that uh, one of the most common phrases used with cryptocurrency is to the moon. It's because it's speculative value of if we keep generating this thing, then eventually it will be this insubstantial amount of money that like otherwise does not exist without us continually like bumping it and getting people interested in it. 
and, and, and NFTs are part of that, part of that speculative value of there's this digital scarcity that if you if you don't have it, you're not going to have it. Yeah. Digital yes. scarcity isn't a thing. I can, <laughs> I can take a picture from my phone and have it on my computer, two of the same pictures. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's what that's the point of like talking about like non artificial artificial scarcity. I was like, isn't like isn't that the point? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like that that kind of violates the inherent point of of NFTs that I've seen is that like they're trying to create digital scarcity. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I mean, since uh, returning to Square Enix, like, uh, why don't why don't we like? Uh, since I don't feel like being kind to them, why don't we bring up the uh, how few people have been playing Babylon's Fall lately? I I want to preface this by saying this is positively my favorite news story that I have ever reported <laughs> on. <laughs> um, Babylon's Fall has dropped to less than ten concurrent PC players uh, the week of April seventeenth. Oh, that's just delicious. <laughs> As noted by Tech Radar, the online game has struggled to attract more than 100 current concurrent players throughout the week, and has at one point on April 13, it briefly dropped below 10 users. Oh, that feels so good. <laughs> uh, it is also um, it, we we also talked about how it was not well received, and according to the reviewer aggregate aggregator metacritic the title is the worst reviewed game on the playstation 5 and the worst game of the year oh man what a lesson to learn yeah you'd think there would be a lesson there about uh, a lot of things but like i'm not sure if any of the party involves are, are going to learn them frankly like so yeah like i uh it seems almost cruel at this point, but like I saw that in just like illustrating the point about like just how they have made every mistake around this game, and it is just not retaining people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, like one big thing is like again, like because it is a premium game, because you have to pay sixty dollars. My God, it still shocks me every time. Like to get into the into the game right now, like who is going to pay pay that for like the worst reviewed game of the year? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Though speaking of which, like for unless you had something else to add about Babylon's Fall, like the like another worst reviewed game of the year, like had a had another twist in its uh, the saga of its development this past week. Yes, uh, in 2021, the game Balan's Wonderworld was released, universally panned. Nobody really liked it. I played the demo of it. Uh, it was fine. I I don't know that it was as bad as everyone says. I didn't com- I didn't you know, pay the full money for the game. I played the demo and was like, yeah, this is okay. Um, however, an interesting development is that Yuji Naka, uh, who was the director of the game, is suing Square Enix because uh, apparently he was fired. Um, he was Yuji Naka claims that he was removed as the director of Balan Wonderworld six months before it was released, which resulted in him suing the developer. Uh, he has said that he is now able to address his departure from Square Enix and the game's reception because the trial has concluded. Uh, according to official documents, Anaj- Naka said the decision to remove him from the project was based on two disputes. Uh, his relationship with Airzest is said to have broken down because it was because it submitted the final build of the game without fixing a known number of bugs. The other point of contention was when a YouTuber was going to play the piano and published the in-score of an the score of an in-game song for promotional purposes, rather than using the original score. 
uh, game creators are supposed to improve their games until the very end, and I believe that it is wrong to prevent them from carrying out this goal. I asked my lawyer to ne negotiate with our business partners to at least allow me to address the issues on Balance Wonderworld development until the very end, but they ignored my request, so ultimately I decided to file a lawsuit in court. Um, I had kind of wondered about this, honestly, you know, when when I saw that this game was announced, I know that like it was by the guy who created Sonic, the guy who made Nights into Dreams, uh, games that you know a lot of people really like. And when this game came out, something didn't quite click right. It was like this seems mysterious that it uh, it went so poorly. You know, I mean, like with with the positive track record of the mascot games that this that Yuji Naka has made, I figured something was afoot. And something was indeed afoot. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, I will say, like, for uh, Yuji Naka's post-Sega career has definitely been uh, far more mixed. Uh, but, like, it, this is one of those things that, like, you know, this is definitely uh, Naka's half of the story. Like, we... Um, yeah, it's one of those things that, like, in the totality of it, he said, like, okay, like, the court case is done, he's able to talk about it, so that means it's resolved. But, like, he did... He, like... One thing we don't know is just like okay, so did he receive a settlement? Like you know what 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 happened in the uh, like in the in the in the in the court proceeding? Like I assume he was suing for some sort of money, some sort of money compensation. Since like obviously at this point you can't sue to like I don't know like uh, push push back the release of the game. The game is already out. Like mm -hmm. the game is what it is. Like you're like that's not going to change. So yeah, you can't really like. I mean, you can kind of sue to fix the game, but it's it's not. I don't think that's a winning court battle. Yeah, I. Uh, so like, so this is very weird. It's it's the only thing that I'm one hundred percent clear on is that it shows that like the development of the game was highly dysfunctional. Uh, like that, I can say for certain. Uh, whether the game would ever be good, uh, of that I, of that I'm unsure. Like certainly in it, in its current state, it is it is very not good mm -hmm. uh, from everything I've seen. So, but. Uh, but uh, moving on from that to uh, the March 2022 MPD sales, uh, the uh, according to MPD, uh, the U.S. video game spending for March 2022 was down 50% year on year to 4.9 billion. Uh, all categories down year on year for both March and Q1, uh, and uh, Elden Ring stands as the best-selling game of the year. And apparently, even for the 12 months ending March 2022, it is only beaten by Call of Duty Vanguard in terms of dollar sales. So that is uh, that's certainly quite impressive for that. On top of that, Xbox had its was was the best-selling uh, uh, console platform on both uh, March in do dollars while like switch switch led in sales with some like and a big part of this is like it's worth noting the consequence like unpacking the consequences of this uh, there there are clearly some supply issues since like uh, demand for PlayStation 5 is still as high as it's ever been like I was hoping it would maybe Die, by, die down by this point, or maybe they would be meeting some supply, but it's making me wonder, like, you know, are there, like, 
is Sony suffering from some supply issues right now? Is it that like they're trying to satisfy more markets than Microsoft? It really is like because like I, I know to like the markets that Microsoft really uh, it does well in, but like Sony does well in those in those markets as well. But like then also you add like Japan, like a, lo- a wider swath of Europe, like also uh, c- countries in East Asia, the Middle East, whatever. Like you know, they're they're generally serving more people. So like it could be that like maybe their supply is is more like uh, distributed, but also at the same time like it seems like they're. Uh, it seems like they're just selling less overall, and it's definitely not demand based. It is definitely supply based, uh, and that is generally a negative thing. Since like, if you're still not meeting demand, then like, I'm willing to bet there that there have been a number of people who have like given up at, the, at this point and just bought an Xbox Series if they're looking to get a new gen console, uh, because like they're just. Maybe they're not as invested in like whatever their count is on their PlayStation, and it's just like you know, hey, I just wanted to get it to play the Fortnite or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's the danger is that with with the high demand, like it's it's exceedingly high, you know, and and obviously the supply cannot match that. But like if if it's just for you know the Fortnite. The thing is, is that both of these systems can do it, and right now we, we've seen that you know Activision Blizzard, or rather Microsoft, is like working to prevent what happened with the Xbox One, where all of the fun exclusives went to the PS4. Right now, it's kind of like, well, let's hope you know there there's kind of the risk that uh, getting an Xbox Series won't won't do you much good. So it 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 is a interesting supply demand game that we're seeing right now. Yeah, yeah, certainly. It's worth noting, like other uh, other small, along with like Elden Ring selling extremely well. Um, we uh, like Gran Turismo Seven was the was the second best selling game for the quarter. So like, see, it's showing like again like demand pretty strong for Sony products, and uh, it's the fourth best-selling game overall for the first quarter, uh, which is again like pretty good since it didn't la- uh, launch until fairly late in the quarter. Uh, other notable games in the top five, like were, uh, for March, were Kirby at three, MLB The Show at four, Horizon Forbidden West keeping it up at, at five, then Pokemon Arceus, WWE uh, 2K22 at seven. Okay, then we have then then we're starting to get into like the evergreens like Mario Kart Eight and Call of Duty Vanguard, and like and probably disappointingly like Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin comes in at ten, uh, and uh, and also probably probably also probably disappointing t- uh, following that is Tiny t- Tiny Tina's Wonderland and Ghostware Tokyo. Although, guess where Tokyo was a was only available on PlayStation Five, and Tiny T- and the other two titles ahead of it were multi-platform. Mm. Uh, I I have heard great things about Ghostwire Tokyo, but uh, it being an exclusive, it does run that risk. Yeah, certainly. And finally, in final PlayStation news, Garrett Friedley posted on Twitter. He announced that he was his first day as a senior build engineer for PlayStation, working as one of their initial hires for their newly created preservation team. 
Uh, game preservation was my first career passion. It was my first foray into the world of software engineering slash DevOps and to a world where that so many are unaware of. It was just a no notice back then, contributing any way I could regardless of my experience. Now I'm back to it uh, and no longer the, the novice I once was. Uh, yeah. He was previously with EA between 2016 and 2019 um, for, for the archival of the FIFA franchise. It's not clear what this new role is about. I just think it's notable because like, it, it possibly points to uh, Sony taking like preservation and backwards compatibility like uh, a step more seriously, you know, which is an important thing. Like, especially since like I would say Sony has, uh, I would probably say that their back catalog is second to only Nintendo as far as like everything they can offer. So, um, so it's important that they do that, and like they're also stepping up their offer offers for things like the enhanced PlayStation Plus tiers, uh, like which will be offering even PSP games. So uh, it's one of those things like a ounce of uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And if like if they're thinking of these things ahead of time, then hopefully it will make things smoother in the future. So switching off from the Hellscape feature of NFTs to something I actually quite enjoyed, Disco Elysium, uh, which is ironically a game about a Hellscape future, but we'll put that aside for a moment. Uh, we played through and continued on uh, after our first part of playing it. One of the things I wanted to note, like just as far as the side story, and this game has a ton of side stories, uh, almost all of them optional, but like I remember one of them was just a old man who was talking about his, how great his sandwich was. So, like, of course, Harry was fixated on getting the old man's sandwich. Uh, <laughs> oh, Disco Elysium. Never change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, of course, meant ma making, making a check and, like... And, uh, and even if you succeed to check, a lot of the time you have to make a successful argument. And uh, in this case... Uh, I uh, launched a successful political diatribe about like how his sandwich wasn't a true working man sandwich uh, and the things that could potentially be done to improve it if he only gave it to me. Uh, and <laughs> it, it took quite a bit of doing. Like he obviously wanted the sandwich to eat, but like, he was, he was like, okay, so long as you aren't just taking an old man's sandwich so you can eat it for yourself. I was like, no, no, it's for sandwich science. Uh, and, ah, God, like, among the various eccentric things you can do in there. But that just stuck out to me, like, the ranting about the working man's sandwich. You see, because, like, he's a man who's affiliated with the local union, so, like, it's a... Uh, it, it was at least... Uh, uh, appropriate to him and his character. I I want to say I know exactly uh, what side quest you're talking about, and my favorite summary of it is: I wanted an old man sandwich, so I started a fascist regime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, like not. All those memes, like this, this game is kind of one giant meme. How intentional or not is uh, only for you, to, only for the user to say. But yes, that is accurate. 
Uh, and speaking of subquests, there was a whole subquest chain about helping an old couple check traps for to find a stick insect, a so-called cryptophasmid that might not exist. And in the end for that, the the old man has come down with the sickness from being in the cold damp. And the woman who is in a wheelchair, and she's actually in the whirling of rags, uh, confesses that her experience as a child seeing the creature may have been a manifestation of a child's mind. She wonders about her relationship built on that thing uh, that might not even be, and given that she's paralyzed and... Uh, whether like even her relationship is real, and uh, and I I was a nice guy, so I assured her, assured her love is built on more than that. Uh, and then she sped off, and then she exited the game. Uh, and that was notable since like that was a NPC that I had talked to a lot and who had always been there and kind of kind and grandmotherly, and uh, and like a lot of kind grandmotherly people, she was also a little racist. Uh, but uh, including openly to your partner, Kim. Um, but I also got a lot of interesting information about the different uh, phasmids out there. Uh, one of which is like in invisible and can only be identified by sound. Another one uh, was supposedly a giant green monkey that would come in and like uh, during a was one conflict would, would come in and like heal uh so soldiers with their like with with the, with their sap or something like that i forget the exact details it was all insane though uh but but that that is again like this game like just having different uh side paths you can go down and explore at your and take them to the fullest extent like whether you think like oh this is going to be a brief interlude or oh there's nothing here like no no like uh disco elysium has the answer for that usually like and it's usually very involved mm -hmm. one thing that i definitely loved about the game is is just like they're the normal characters are are just very realistic in in a way that like you don't see often in that like and and it comes to the strength that the game is very longly written there there i think when they announced this final cut they announced something like i think it, i want to say it was like 1600 more words or something like that which which is yeah. just like behind just random dialogue trees and and it's it's because of that that they can just create such realistic characters like like obviously you know with with like the grandmother who is a little bit racist that's realistic but then there's also just this complete sideline of hey i'm interested in cryptids which like there are people out there who are just like this very nice calm person and then if you get them talking about the right thing they're just interested in this completely random thing that you've never seen before and and that's that's something that Disco Elysium has the ability to do as as a game that is written as in depth as it is. Wherein games that like, for example, like Call of Juarez, uh, Gunslinger, you you don't you don't really get to see like every single character's like backstory and what they're interested in, in. and and it's just nice for a game, especially Disco Elysium, as crazy as it is, to like go through and give like the characters that are important all of that to like make them feel like real people. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're like the secondary characters of Disco Elysium are more filled out than the primary characters of a lot of games, to be frank. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's worth noting that, like, uh, speaking of like the side story that I just think, like, ah, this is going to be brief. Like, there was an old church uh, and some ravers out front, like, and the process of like getting them into the church and completely fulfilling that side quest, like is a multiple hour quest of going back and forth between the two, between the two going in there, finding like a, as the ravers describe it, a crazy crab man who is climbing along the rafters. You, you talk to him and he's like, I guess uh, basking in the glow of this one phenomenon and like, and one of the developers of Fortress Accent, like that game developer that went out of business, uh, is like she's there and she's trying to discover like what exactly happened, and like it's basically a. Uh, eventually, the ra- the ravers come in, or at least like in my permutation, they came in. I, I know there's a lot of things you can it can do. I let them into the church. Uh, I uh, I helped with like discovering the sound and like lady discovered like oh like this is the this is something that's like an origin point of the pale which is like kind of the ethereal nothingness that is swallowing the world it's just like oh okay so that that's interesting but like this is uh it was a lot of dialogue a lot of back and forth uh just a lot of small amusing details uh, though adding about like Fortress Accent, the game developer, a, a more interesting details I uncovered when I dug into it and noted the producer started doing drugs and avoiding his du- duty, uh, and and the and on top of it, like the expense required, like kept on multiplying as the uh, scope of the game just kept on uh, expanding and expanding. So uh, I feel like again, like more. Uh, more self-reflections from the development team are just like the problems with and the difficulty with with developing a game, particularly that's so new and so wide in scope. Uh, yeah, this this was their first game, wasn't it? Like, yeah, yep, yep. What a what a starter for them. <laughs> yeah, like for, for one that like I mean, it's built on the blocks of things like uh, Fallout and. Torment times no matter, but like I feel like this is like honestly uh, led its own revolution in in RPGs, frankly. Like, and we're already starting to see it uh, influence certain games like Norco, uh, which is an indie game that came out earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's but, uh, it's wild to me that like you, this game obviously came from a place of having choices like have matter and having like feel weight. Um, I, I have played a lot of games like that, that, like, you know, your choices, they're so, oh, they matter, you know, like, that. that's the selling point of a lot of games. <laughs> this, for an indie game, to have set the bar at, dare I say, a nearly unreachable standard, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's just, it's, it makes me feel good, you know, in a way that, like, because video games are such a, a, both limited and unlimited format in that like your choices can matter but only to a certain extent you know it's not something that you can continuously you know 
extend out as far as possible and and that's because of budget and and you know gameplay formulas what you got to do in in the gameplay to keep the story running disco elysium did something that like the gameplay is not the highlight of it it's it's the writing itself so it almost didn't need to be a video game it was just a convenient format to portray that so for any any game in the future that says your choices matter it's always going to be at least several steps below disco elysium yeah i saw some people talking about like how like after this game they had difficulty getting into like other other rpg games that supposedly offer choice and i can understand that like just because of the the depth of various uh things and uh speaking of which like you know still relating to like the whole church ravers side plot thing like uh the you know finally getting them set in like the programmer's still in there like whirling away at his uh, keyboards like at the at the end of it like the ravers uh, ask you to name their new club in the church uh and i got them to promise like that they wouldn't be selling drugs that was originally their plan uh and like and the top one of the choices was like of course the most obvious one for the name of the club can you guess what it is you can guess what it is like is it disco elysium they, yes it is disco elysium <laughs> yeah I, I was i was just like i, I was just like okay like roll credits like how like how could i not name it disco elysium like who who doesn't name it disco elysium that's, like this that's a real strong uh, real strong choice I believe yeah. I believe I read something about that, and w- was one of the choices like no no truce with the Furies or something like that. That that sounds about right. Yes, I uh, I believe what I read is that that was the initial title for the game. <laughs> so I I I can see that much more pretentious though. I think like what they settled on was was a better and punchier title. Disco Elysium is uh, a very strong title. And, uh, and it's one of those things that, like, it's difficult to explain without having played the game. But having played the game, the title makes perfect sense. Um, but uh, the I, I will note that, like, uh, it, like again, like, in the, in the rave church, uh, it's the longest payoff. But I love that when you contemplate the hardcore aesthetic, because, like... The DJ of the whole thing, who is who is spouting off random things about things being hardcore all the time, uh, wh- one of the dialogue options for your own conceptualization of your own hardcore aesthetic is, I uh, I want to have blank with you. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're I'm self-censoring there, but. Uh, and, those are no no and tuesday knows and there is of course like the part where and like you can uh make a specific check and and harry launches into a very famous dance sequence on the on the floor like uh and uh and you can get kim involved you can get all the ravers involved like you try and get the programmer involved uh like and, and i i noted in here like no this is the best best dance sequence i've played since final fantasy 7 remake uh, <laughs> it was just it was just wonderful and absurd and like and he was uh you know harry was doing some impressive white guy flailing uh it was uh <laughs> like <laughs> like again like all of these are in a 
associated like subplot that like I'm pretty sure most of which you don't even have to go into, but I but I did because I was into the game and I'm a crazy person, but uh, but not but not as crazy as Harry. But um, it takes a couple bars to get uh, to to Harry crazy. Oh yeah, uh, but actually adjacent to all this was actually the moralism quest, uh, which I did complete. Uh, now. And this is related to the Moral Intern, which means uh, the Moralist International. And this organization, which is a savior to this one savior figure called the Innocent uh, Dolores Day, to develop humanity over the next 3,000 years. It's aligned with the Coalition of Nations, which is like NATO and EPIS, which is like EU. And the Moral Intern is like a planning committee and re- religious organization all rolled into one. Uh, like I had to talk to some some people who were like I talked to Kim, and then I talked to this other guy who is a moralist, and then I was like talked to one of the uh, ravers in the church who was just like, yeah, I know a way to contact like the airship who's flo- floating above Revachol, uh, and so you did it. So you did it, and like, and I managed to actually contact this this lady and uh you can uh you can ask her about a lot of a lot of things like you actually only get a very limited window to talk talk with her like you're you're actually on like you know the the giant exploded uh statue Mm -hmm. like you 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 use that as an antenna uh it's pretty wild and there's and the whole idea is like basically you're reporting on that uh, local phenomenon dealing with the pale, like the two millimeter hole in uh, the world. Uh, and uh, and then they t- take you off in an aerostatic to meet the committee of responsibility to talk about this vital matter. And that's an ending to the game. Uh, so I got that ending, but I obviously continued on in the the actual real uh, ending of the game, but I did go on that moralist uh, political vision quest, as it's as it's called. Um, now, uh, Cutlet saw is sophomore, but I've always loved artful graffiti. Uh, so when I went heavy into conceptualization uh, and looked at like this, I, I looked at this one wall and Harry was basically like, you know, I'm, I'm going to put something here. I'm going to mark it. Uh, so when I was asked to put something up, like I chose the most poetic words I could, which was what shadow lies beyond the bright glean. I was like, you know, yeah, that, that feels like, that feels like pre- pretentious graffiti. Like the sort of graffiti you look at that that maybe makes some somebody think for a second. Uh, yeah, my favorite genre of graffiti is that definitely means something, and then ten seconds later you're like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was also another graffiti you could do that insults Kuno in some way. <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> yes. <laughs> And you can talk to uh, Kuno about the graffiti if you uh, if you so choose. Uh, but uh, I like one day like I was looking to talk to 
a uh, somebody who appeared to have been a witness to the hanging. So I was like, great. But then the game is like, oh, they're not going to be back until like uh, late in the evening. And I was just like, it, but it's morning. Like, so I guess, and I've already done all the subquests. Well, I guess it's, now it's time to read books and stuff like that to pass the time. Uh, and of course, like the game has, <laughs> like you don't quite read the books, but you basically get summaries of, of the books you read. Uh, some of which are pretty funny, particularly the the Man from Heimdall books, which are barely concealed Conan uh, parodies. And uh, I, I love the one part where, like, it, like your brain is fighting against you the whole time while you're while you're reading, and it. it's like this one state statement talking about like how. Then the man from Heimdall, you know, waded into the, uh, in, into the in the nest of nest of monsters, swinging his twos by handers, uh, and uh, you know the the ground becoming slick slick with their viscera, and after that that uh, the, my conceptualization just popped in like, oh for God's sakes, uh, <laughs> like it was it was just uh, just so bad. We're noting like. I got actual art degree uh, as a thought, which gives you uh, t- which gives you t- uh, ten experience whenever a conceptualization comes up. Uh, so uh, that that was actually quite good. Um, uh, and, I, and I had another one, which I believe was the Wompty Dompty Center, which whenever Encyclopedia came up, I also got ten experience. So by the end of the game, I was actually pretty well set on like basically every stat. Uh, like, uh, but anyways, when I was reading the book about the innocence, uh, your mind gives you a pop quiz about it. An encyclopedia comes up like, this is what I was made for her. So I asked for hints it could give. Uh, and when I asked, it provided me the definition of what a pop quiz is. (laughs) Uh. Oh, Disco Elysium. (laughs) Encyclopedia proceeds to give me detailed trivia, which isn't helpful for each of the uh, the answers, but pain threshold keeps on talking about the beautiful Dolores Day, the innocence that Harry seems drawn to. Uh, It's worth noting in the church there is also a giant broken stained glass window of Dolores Day. Uh, Like her, like with her lungs lit up since that was supposedly a feature of hers uh when i finally got back to the main story it was clear that like the disco dancer is at the center of the case and i like i personally had this thought like oh no uh because i remember talking to her in the balcony and i was not i was not lucid and sober in that in that moment because she's the first person you talk to in the game uh and and sure enough, Harry t- attempts to stay comp- composed while while talking about this to Titus Hardy or Mindelskill because I told her that I didn't remember reality. Uh, I I told her that I didn't remember being a cop. I told her that I that I was a superstar cop, <laughs> and I also and I also made that pass at her, uh, which, which failed terribly. Uh. Yeah, that tracks. That tracks with Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I I still my favorite still and we talked about it is that if if you try and you're probably gonna fail but if you try to propose like make the proposition to her in the first it's I want to have the blank with you and uh, uh she just laughs at you and then she makes yes. you repeat it <laughs> yes <laughs> yes and then 
that felt like a real like make eye contact and continue on moment. Uh, but you know she's but and her name is Klostja and she is very much at the center of the story. And after that, you can finally go back up and interact with her again. Uh, and she's an interesting and duplicitous figure, but like what a appropriate detective noirish thing to do that like at the center of the sto- story there's le- there's a hot blonde uh like who's uh, who's completely trouble in advancing the story like there's a lot of sub things you could do to basically assert dominance to Titus Hardy and uh and I, I really felt like Phoenix Wright in turn, turnabout mode, exposing the flaws in this, the story he was giving about, like, you know, yeah, sure, all those Hardy boys, we we hanged him collectively, like, and uh, and pointing out like which one of his boys like was willing to crack. Uh, it was a, uh, it's an appropriately climactic moment for like when you get to the actual detective work, which like, I was just like, oh yeah, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do in this game. Uh, yeah, you kind of forget that you're a uh, detective working a case with all the ridiculous things that you can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and finally doing that once you once you talk to uh, Titus Hardy and like, and you finally get the truth out of him, like that uh, that it was it was a setup, like the guy had been shot, uh, and uh, and and Klaus had uh, had. You know, he had been, he was with Klaustia at the, at the time, and like, and she told, like, the, I guess the eighth Hardy boy, Ruby, who wasn't there, and found out, like, you know, okay, like, it's, like, this is a lead, like, you need to track down Ruby. Uh, and, uh, and she, she's on the, the other coast. So like, I guess that's one of those things that like, since there's two main locations of the game and the second one only unlocks, I think three days in, um, that like it, it limits your ability to move around the world, but also like guarantees that you do go over to that other secondary area eventually. And also that I guess you can't, uh, solve the game too quickly. Like they do want you want you to engage in secondary things. That wasn't a problem for me since I, I did, almost everything uh, one form or another now uh when i got to the, the other place like the uh joyce who's like the representative of wild pines like the conglomerate that is has a vested interest in the local peer she finally told told harry what had really been obvious all along uh that he's completely insane that no one is more insane than he than he is uh, I was like, okay, so I guess I guess this is obvious to everybody. Like he's completely out of his mind, and uh, I mean, it's one of those things. Just like you know, yep, yeah, it it tracks, mm-hmm. it tracks. Uh, even even within the game world, he is a eccentric and crazy person. Uh, I'm I'm very glad, and there are a couple times that the game does it too, where there are just like moments that all of the inner voices are speaking, and then you'll and then the character that you're talking to will be like. Uh, are are you still there? You're just kind of staring off into space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's worth noting. Once I built up all of my stats the way I did, like that meant that stats were pinging more often. And like I would say, like if you'd say, like okay, like is that beneficial? I'd say like mostly, like, and you do get you do get some good information, but also you mostly just get more information. You get way more information. Like you get every thought that is coming into Harry's head. Uh, 
but again, like I was, I was obviously down and down for that. Uh, and anyways, like I tracked Ruby down on the other coast. Like, uh, there was a confrontation with her and, uh, but it's pretty obvious that she doesn't do it or she didn't do it. The murder. Uh, and it's obvious that like parts of Kostya's story about uh, didn't add up. Like Kostya was like apparently some, she she was into corporate espionage or something else like that. And she had, it had been clear in my mind that like uh, like my volition basically called her out for like, hey, she's been manipulating you uh, from the beginning. And like and the and the other vo- and the other voices are like are, are oblivious to it. Like they're all compromised. Uh, and, uh, and 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 electrochemistry was it was all it was all like you know you know you know you know what what about me and Volish is like no he's the most compromised of all <laughs> electrochemistry is like impossible it's like you know well what what are you thinking right right now and electrochemistry was it was just believe her protect her she's she's beautiful she's into you I was just like oh <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can call her out is hilarious electrochemistry is the only like well n- not the only but like. I, I didn't put any points into electrochemistry. I didn't need to hear any more of electrochemistry speaking. It never had good ideas. Um, but yeah, there's some really long parts with Clash, and you can choose to arrest her or not. Or I basically gave her a like a slip to report to the uh, the po- police office over a certain amount of time. I certainly could have arrested her, but I decided not. Uh, but after you conf- confront Ruby and it's obvious that like it wasn't her, you return to the town square and there's the military tribunal happening. Uh, and this is where like the mercenaries finally co- come out. They've been drinking. They're in full armor. There's three of them. You thought there were two of them. This is a problem. Uh, and I was thinking, and this is the part where having a one in Modrix comes back to bite me in the ass. Uh, uh, because like there are like I mean th- it, that is a big motorix portion right there with reaction speed and hand-eye coordination, but fortunately I was able to mitigate it somewhat with equipment. Uh, I and fortunately there are other checks you can do to uh, help your chances. And the first thing you are asked to do, like once you get in between the mercenaries and the Hardy Boys, and that is take a shot at the leader. Uh, and I was for and like the final consequences of like I was able to sh- shoot him in the face. Uh, there, like there was another, uh, there was an especially armored guy who like took a shot at me, which like winged me. Kim was able to uh, have a very precise shot into his into like the sl- slit of armor in his head. Uh, then there was an almost impossible do- dodge right there that I wasn't able to make and. Uh, and I was down and Kim was over me and like in the third one a lady was coming over to like uh, attack Kim again but I was able to warn him and when I w- wake up I find out that like a lot of the Hardys had been killed all three of the Mercs had been killed uh, at my, mine and Kim's hands uh, and I'd been shot twice uh, but I managed to make it through Kim was still there relatively unharmed he said like he had he had a bit of a concussion but like you know considering everything else that happened it could have been it could have been way worse um the game notes at that point that like you're you're walking with a limp but like 
uh, you, you do, your walking animation in the regular game doesn't actually change. But at that point, it's it, like you continue the story. It's obvious that it's it's not somebody you've encountered yet. The suspect is still out there. Uh, and going up to Gloucester's room, she's escaped. Uh, like she has just run away. Uh, she has fled someplace else from the uh, supposedly corporate masters that are that are looking to get her. Uh, but she left behind a cue, a clue, like a string that point that like pointed to the arc of the bullet that had fired into her into her room, and it was obvious that like there was some other place and some other other suspect uh, on a place that you can't get to until like actually after the sequence. So, uh, and of course, like going over and borrowing a motorboat, uh, like. One of the options was like uh, we're gonna we're gonna be blasting out sad FM on this boombox as we go. So like of course I said that I did took that option. Like I was like, uh, and Kim was like, sure, fine, whatever. Like uh, I do like as as your rapport grows with Kim, like he just he just he is used to your antics by by the end. Uh, <laughs> I'm I've always been a big fan of Kim just because he's like you know what I can't stop this. <laughs> Yeah, he Kim is an an incredibly well well written and realized character, which is good because like he's with you for almost the entire game. But yeah, I was I was on there and I was play, playing a sad, a sad rock on the bow of this small motorboat, uh, triumphantly standing there while while sa- a sad rock song played over uh, uh, over over my boombox. Oh, that's the most disco Elysium uh, thing I've ever heard. <laughs> It's it's a, well, probably the most appropriate and most disco Elysium was like when you're in there, like it's implied that like hey, like this Terry's still in a bad shape, and uh, and Kim was just like you know why don't why don't you take a brief rest here? I'll I'll uh, I'll look over you and you. So Harry Harry rests. He wakes up apparently still in the same place. He goes outside and walks out into the water. And then he kind of, and then like kind of merging with the water is like basically an area that is clearly uh, someplace else, someplace in uh, Elson Revachol, and uh, and there standing there is a, is a woman with with a pack suitcase, and it's Dolores Ray, the innocence who ushered in the modern world, and the and the innocence of intersolary inter- tra- travel in the connected world. Though she's obviously a stand-in for his erstwhile girlfriend, Dora Ingerland. This whole sequence is just so heartrending and is pleased to her uh, to just, like, take him back, give him another chance. But she's like, no, I need to get to the Aerodome. I need to go away. Uh, the way she regards him, it's not like she doesn't care about him anymore, but she doesn't love him and she just needs to get away from him. Uh and like it's obvious that nothing was going to uh, cha- change that. Uh, it's worth noting, like I think things she says can change you depending on what you've done. And I felt very called out for uh, for her sa- saying about how for for me it's always about my dialogue trees and the let's talk about something else. <laughs> I was I was just like I. Like I'm I'm feeling very attacked right now, game. Like uh, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, and the uh persuasion is all like you know no like you know you you can win her back like you just need to 
you know, you you, ju- you just need to need to kiss her and like, and in what is probably the most failed pass check of all time, uh, you say you love her and and you're and you kiss her, but like she does not kiss you back. There is no warmth there when you pull back. Pull back. Uh, she she goes she goes on to say that she's pregnant. And I was immediately like, you know, it's it's someone else's, isn't isn't it? And and she and she she said yes, and that's and that she had uh, terminated all of Harry's children because he was poor. Oh God! Uh, I was was just like, ouch! I was just like, so, uh, uh, so he can prevent her, and I knew like part of the dream sequence is, is some other information you get is like in front of a video store. Uh, something had happened with his ex and like, and there was a video store right where you were. So it was just like, okay, like this is the, the moment right here, even though like he obviously didn't uh, date Dolores Day uh, who died over a century ago. But uh, at the end of it, I'm just going to qu- quote here uh, from the very end. How, how uh, Harry asks, how will I see you again? And uh, Dolores Day, Day responds like right here tomorrow night. Once this dream starts happening, it keeps happening. Three times a week, at least. And Harry, it, it seems like it started happening again. There's the video rental. I'm suffocatingly beautiful and young, and I smell of tutti-frutti chewing gum. Like I did that ta- time I asked you for forgiveness, after leaving you the first time, so long ago. And Harry responds, but this is intolerably bad. Uh, and Dolores Day responds, Oh yes, this is real darkness. Not death or war or child molestation. Real d- darkness has love for a face. The first death is in the heart, Harry. And then Harry involuntarily responds, See you tomorrow. Oh, that's, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> it is, it is. And now... Uh, and then after that, you confront the real murderer, which like a lot of things in the game is a long dialogue process. Though, like I honestly considered that dream sequence to be the emotional peak of the game. Honestly, confirming that the murderer is the murderer, like extracting a confession out of him, is it's long, but it's not it's not especially hard. Like at that point, it just feels perfunctory. Uh, but honestly, I would say like. The central murder case is is just kind of the thing that propels the game forward. It's not really the main focus of the game. Uh, like it's about all of the characters you talk to along the way. And I do want to note at the very end of the game, once you come back from that island, uh, you have all of your major actions thrown back at you. Uh, fortunately, I found my badge and gun. I hadn't been drinking, but I had been a sorry cop, uh, and I. But I entirely pursued every case, uh, so I, uh, in the end, I got to I got to keep being a cop. Uh, afterwards, I asked questions about my past, and it was uh, and it was connected to some of my behaviors. Apparently, Harry was a former gym teacher, and his uh, fiance was some beautiful professor that he never got over. Uh, and I also attempted to recruit Kim to the 41st precinct. By the way, when I asked my, I guess the guy who is your partner about like your ex-wife, like he, he describes, he describes like her attraction in very vulgar terms. Uh, 
I was I was just like you know God like <laughs> Harry clearly has never gotten over it like you know don't don't pull more salt in the wounds. Uh, that's that's kind of just the life of Harry though. <laughs> that's true. Like they, I mean, that's this whole game uh, kicking him while he's down. Uh, and while there have been dialogue options about the limp, it didn't show until the final sequence in which Harry was helped into the police car by his former partner. So it did manifest there at the very end, which I appreciated. Do you just want to say, as far as general thoughts, uh, I f- feel like this is some of the the best mature writing in uh, games I've ever seen. Like, I'd put it up there with Bioshock and Spec Ops The Line. Uh, though those are obviously much more linear experiences. Uh the voice casting was amazingly precise, comprised of a lot of unknowns, but they fit their roles perfectly and pronounced all of the advanced foreigns and and sometimes totally made up words impeccably. Uh, like there's a lot, like there's a lot of weird words. There's a lot of archaic English. There's also a lot of French in there. Uh, I also loved how the music like really set the tone for the different environments you're in uh, in a very subtle and ethereal way. Perhaps appropriate for a game called Disco Elysium. So yeah, ultimately very very positive on the game. It definitely it definitely can take a while to get to things. I wish there was like for some of the checks. I wish there was maybe a way to use uh, a different skill sometimes. It's just it, like sometimes when it's just like, okay, like you use, uh, uh, use reaction speed. Like, you know, can't I use hand-eye coordination? It's just like, no, it has to be reaction speed or like uh, use, use, persu- use drama. Like, can't I use persuasion? It's just like, no, it has to be drama. It's just like, okay. Uh, it'd be nice if you could try them out with something else, maybe in a penalty or something like that, but you know that's not the way the game is designed and i also appreciated how like your skills have dialogue so uh but but still uh i think this this was a masterpiece of uh of a game i understand all of the acclaim and i also understand why this probably won't be for everybody uh just because it, it is so uh dialogue and text heavy and like and honestly like the mechanics of it are very simple uh, and not everybody's going to be in, into that sort of experience. But, I mean, for me, it was what I was looking for, and, uh, yeah, I was I was very, very impressed. I Yeah, I liked it when I played it. Um, it is it is a really dialogue-heavy game. Like, you have to put there and yeah. invest yourself into it. But it does touch on a lot of themes that most games don't. It's not afraid to get a little bit uncomfortable at times. And, and that's a lot more games should be, you know, willing to touch on, on difficult topics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Like, there's... It deals with racism, heartbreak, substance abuse, politics. Like, you know, some really heavy stuff. Like, you know, to the degree that, like... When people talk about, like, you know, this is... This is too adult for you. I feel like most of the time people are just talking about, like, it's too, it's too violent or it has sex or things like that. Uh, but like, I genuinely feel like this is the sort of thing that like, uh, 
it's almost like a college degree would be required for this. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it, it is, it is very, very high. Certainly in the least like some life experience. Like I, I feel like a teenager would be like just kind of confused in part in parts for most of this, like most teenagers. And I feel like if you were under single digits in age, like you would just be confused by this game. Like you, you wouldn't understand it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the best way of describing it would be a college degree and some ish happening. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but both of these things happening, and you know, if you've lived enough life, you've probably probably gotten both. Mm-hmm. That is the conclusion of Disco Elysium for us. Thank you all for watching, or listening rather, and definitely looking to do a twenty years of influence on Kingdom Hearts. More talking about like the business and what came from Kingdom Hearts rather than about the the, the game itself. We'll talk a little bit, a bit about the game, but it's kind of like the GTA three discussion we had. Uh, feel like that's notable and certainly more in the future will me and tz are gonna have to talk offline about like you know various games we might want to play now that this like one big project is off of the table now finally like we've uh, been plugging away at disco elysium for a while Mm -hmm. but uh anyways like again like anybody who wants to support us we're at patreon.com slash smgp and we certainly appreciate your listenership as well but Again, thank you all for listening, and hopefully we will see you all next time. Until then.